You're listening to The Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Owen 60 Pod for all the latest news from around the OHL. And now here are your hosts, Reese Dumaney and Colin Ward. Effect. It happened again. The Toronto Maple Leafs, they're out. It is awesome. Montreal takes it in seven. We're going oh, seven. It was a good week for us. Oh, yeah. Seven heaven. You love it. You love it. I know. Seven heaven. Uh, welcome to this year's Owen 60 OHL Priority Selection Special. We thought we'd kick it off with some great news. The Toronto Maple Leafs are out of the playoffs. We had a party <laughs> after they were eliminated. It was awesome. Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> they're gone. Golf courses are open. Enjoy, Mitch Marner. Hey, did you, sure yeah, did you see that? Did you see that? And also, Steve Simmons asking the question to uh, Brendan Shanahan. I mean, that's tough. Like, I know, like from wherever, in, like OHL pressers and like post game stuff. Like, I don't think I'd ever ask that. Like at the end of the year to somebody, like, yeah. Um. So in the history of me covering the league, I've never saw five. I've never saw a core you know, beat out five. Uh, straight first rounds and win the Stanley Cup. That was a shot. And Brendan Shane. Yeah, but go, that's okay, Steve Simmons, right? Yeah, he's looking for that. He loved it. Yeah. He's probably the biggest fan of the Leafs. Leader. There's got to be – there's always a journalist that's like that. You got Brooksy in New York. Well, Detroit kind of has it with Elaine. I mean, yeah, Elaine. Elaine, yeah, Elaine's the, Elaine St. James from the Free Press is the one that always asks the tough questions. To yeah. Blast Hill or Eisen. Yeah. For the most part, but they're good questions. It's not like shooting them down. Enough. Yeah, it's not like she's taking a shot like, at anyone or anything. Yeah, it's not like oh, you never. Yeah, in my life, I never saw five uh, first round exits with that car and win the Stanley Cup, which I haven't either. But it actually awesome. made sense. It actually made sense that what Steve yeah. Simmons was saying. I couldn't believe that. Like, I hear Stephen Smith in uh, uh, Stephen A. Smith do with the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL. That was hilarious. I mean, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it's true, was right? Funny. But. <laughs> Um, you basically yeah. the Dallas Cowboys of the <laughs> NHL. Let's do that hockey. Let's do that draft. As I'm fired up. <laughs> Let's do that hockey. Oh do that God. draft. Fired up. It's been a long weekend. It's going to get even yeah, longer as, as uh, we continue to record this. Yeah, and the new Zoom thing, uh, you're now in a meeting. Yeah, the OHL what, what is up a couple with that? Times. Yeah, the OHL got that a couple times yesterday. It was funny. So they left the mic. Yeah, you know, like, you obviously leave the mics on for, like, the recording and for the stream, like, to the league office. But you leave, they left it on. A couple times you could hear, has now left the meeting. Has now left the meeting. But uh, you caught that a couple times. But overall, it was a good broadcast. So I thought, like, I mean, the elevator music was kind of interesting. Yeah, I loved, was... the, I loved Ryan Payette's tweet Friday night. <laughs> We're five minutes in. Yeah. The elevator music's already annoying. <laughs> Well, and he, even after the picks were made, they played the same music over and over again. It's like, you know what? After the fifth I was, pick, I was saying, okay, let's switch it up here. Yeah. Well, you know what I was thinking? They should have did like the team's goal horns. You know, like on the NHL, like when the team's pick, like they play the goal song. Yeah, they should have like done something. the song. That would have been sick. That would have been cool. Yeah. That would have been pretty good. I would have loved that. Or the intros. Yeah. Yeah. Niagara, dog on a bone. Relentless. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not like as good as their songs song. from the 2019 playoffs. That was, that was, that was the one we used for the back-to-back, not a big deal. Yeah, you know. 
Just show up and win night. Just show up and win night in those two series. How are you? That's what I'm saying. It's the get it done uh, league, not uh, not let's just show up and think we're great league. Yeah. Toronto. Uh, But, yeah, anyways, this is the big show of the year. Of course, everyone remembers last year all the guests we had on the show. Of course, course, Joel joined us. We had Reed Duthie on. We had Tate Harris on. Chat Windsor Spitfires. Um, I'm blanking on a couple of the other ones because it's been a year. Daryl Smart. Daryl Smart, guy, yeah. Junior geography B. guy. Geography guy. Yeah, that was a long day inside the TSM 1150 studios. Yeah, was was that the day when I went out with the hockey stick? I think so. That was sweet. I think so, yeah. That was funny. But, uh, yeah, this year should be a good one, too. We've got Snapping it. Uh, five different voices joining us here today. And the first one is already here. He writes articles for a living, and he does a really good job of it. Uh, Joel Vanderland joining us. Uh, right now here on the own 60 podcast OHL priority selection show. Jeez. That's a long name to say. I'll probably, I'll, I should try and find an acronym. Make that shorter. That's long. Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood. Hollywood joining us there, on the right? line. Joel, what's going on, man? Easy. Hey guys. Uh, good to, good to be back on the show as always. And uh, really enjoyed the, uh, the draft coverage this weekend. Yeah. It was a fun one. Yeah, it was uh it was a it was a day, well, a couple of days, or a night and a day. Yeah, a night and a day works a lot yeah. better. Uh, we saw some things where we were like, "Oh, that nice, that really works for that team." We saw some things where you're like, "What? What, you <laughs> what is what just happened?" <laughs> um, and then there were some moments where you're like, "Okay, that's awesome." Yeah, and, uh, uh, we will get into all of that over the next hour or two. Probably two, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Joel, your first thoughts, I guess, um, on the overall draft, and you could even give your perspective on the Niagara Ice Dogs, uh, being that you covered them last year and kind of know what they needed going into this draft. A lot, a lot of Oakville Rangers early on, yeah. uh, setting a record. Uh, that that was awesome to see, and and another thing that I really stuck out from from this year to last year was the size of the kids in this draft. Uh, you, you look kind of going down, you see 6'1", 6'3". Um, I thought the size was really impressive uh, early on in the draft as well. And then going on to Niagara, uh, no first-round pick, uh, of course, but I thought they did a good job in the second round, kind of addressing some needs, uh, going going against some, some skilled forwards. And then, obviously, uh, Joey Burke was uh, ecstatic to get, to get the top goalie in the draft, in his opinion. Yeah, and this was this was kind of one where Colin and I and we've we'd had discussions about the Niagara Ice Dogs goaltending situation over the last uh, number of months. Kind of looking at it, saying, "Hey, they got a lot of guys where you're like they could easily start a net for this team." And of course, Daniel Murphy, who they acquired, will not play a game for the Ice Dogs. Um, Andrew McLean, one of the names to mention, who's down in Erie right now. You've got Josh Rosenzweig. You've got Tucker Tynan. It's just, and then they take a goalie in the second round, and you're kind of like, this is almost a Joey Burke foreshadowing a little bit and saying, okay, that's more than likely the end of Andrew McLean's career in the Ontario Hockey League, or at least with the Niagara Ice Dogs. Uh, moving forward, it looks like the three goaltenders uh, would end up being Joseph, uh, Joseph Costanzo, 
um, Tucker Tynan and Josh Rosenzweig, who all have multiple years left to go uh, in their OHL careers. So I guess we can start with that, the goaltending. Um, do you expect this to be uh, Costanzo's net? I know he'll be a rookie, so more than likely not. But um, or is Tucker Tynan, he's the guy. If he shows up at training camp, he's the guy. Well, and not to mention uh, in the U18 draft last year, second overall, they took uh, Jacob Osborne, another goalie. But yeah. I think that's also, though, to your, to your point, they have a lot of guys they can let Costanza sit, develop in junior B if they need him to, mm-hmm. and kind of kind of grow with that panel theme as uh, Alex Leonard, Bryce Cook, that kind of group, and, and kind of let him ease his way into the league and, and be ready when he's 18, 19 to go on those long runs that they're, that they're expecting. Because that's a group of the future, though. Yeah. Three or four, you just said that's a group of the future, for sure. Yeah, this was almost this was almost the draft. You look at it, and with Niagara in the position they are, you don't expect them to compete for the next three, or at least two, three years. Maybe that fourth year uh, may be their year, or even possibly the third, depending on uh, where they're at uh, for all these players' development. But the Ice Dogs will not be – in my opinion, I don't think they'll really be competitive next year. I just well, it's a full the, year. It's a full like, year without Akil and uh, yeah, Phil Tomasino. Yeah, you're not going to have those now. top end guys to start off. You'll have Cam Butler, obviously, uh, Jonah DeSimone, Jakey Birdie. He's like um, great. They're all be back. Like great in Erie. Yeah, you've liked him in that showcase. Jonah, Jonah's been the best player on his team, I think, in Erie so far. Him, uh, Bo Gelsma, the Barry third round pick. Barry nailed their third round last year. They didn't have the second, but they nailed their third. Uh, getting Cooper Matthews from Quinty, as Joel knows, and uh, Bo Gelsman here from well, from Brantford, but uh, from Tilsonburg, just around the corner for me. But uh, yeah, both those two look really good, uh, Jonah and uh, Bo. So that's gonna be interesting to see how uh, Jonah looks. Jonah looks stronger than before, like than last well, time. Well, I've seen Jonah's but, videos on uh, on Snapchat, Instagram, whatever social media said it was. I can't remember. He's been in Tampa. Uh, yeah, training and working out. I saw him at a couple of the lightning games, so that was pretty sweet that he yeah. got to go to those. But uh, yeah, he's been the one that's kind of oh, we can't open up here. Okay, bye. I'm gonna Let's go, go yeah. and find ice there. So it's a job. I like that. I like that mentality. It's a job mentality. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So he, all right, all right. Might as well get to uh, the first round. Uh, we'll more than likely just go through the first 19 picks. Um, any ones that stand out, stood out in later rounds, we will get to, of course, show guest Luca Pinelli taken in the second round. We'll, of course, talk about his situation heading to the Ottawa 67s and kind of how he fits in with them. Uh, we're hoping Kitchener would take him. They had a couple chances, but uh, uh, yeah. didn't go for it. But uh, we'll start off number one, and we knew this for a day or two before the draft actually started. Uh, Quinton Musty from the North Jersey Avalanche heads to the Sudbury Wolves, and uh, Quentin Byfield 2.0. Yeah, I mean, I want to ask uh, Ben Leeson, <laughs> who's going to be coming up here within a half hour. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to ask him uh, what he thinks about that. Quentin replaces Quentin, because I think, but I mean, Byfield's probably going to be an LA King this upcoming season. So more than likely, that's going to be interesting. I mean, Mossy's. I think he's a guy that. I mean, we talked pre-show. I think he's a guy that goes right into the top six, plays on that right wing spot, on the second line that sticks forward right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, was re- it was really cool to see him. Uh, he's already committed, by the way. Yeah, for anyone that, that really missed cool. that, already signed, already committed. 
Uh, took a picture with former Wolves goaltender Yuko Pekalukinen, who, of course, is a Buffalo Sabre for the future. And yeah, I mean, I hope Sudbury, man, that this division, this central division continues. <laughs> it's it's still going to be strong. Like it's again, the Midwest I'm, to the East. Yeah, I'm going to ask Ben this, but um, just because the OHL is kind of viewed as, oh, you see the Midwest division, the London's, the Kitchener's, Guelph's. Um, Erie, they're kind of the four. Sound, yeah, yeah, you can even throw Owen Sound. <laughs> Owen Sound, in there. 10 They've straight years teams. of 30 plus wins. Them and London are the only two teams. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So you're looking at this central division, and Joel, you know this quite a bit. Is it, It's going to be competitive. Sudbury, North Bay's got their young core. Ty Nelson going to come into his first year. Finally, we get to see him on the ice. Like uh, Niagara, like we had mentioned, they're not going to be the most competitive team uh, in the league, but. You know, they'll still be there. They play tough against any team that they that they face. So we're looking at a division that can really – we could see potentially de- dependent on the season, of course, but um, someone heading to the Eastern Conference Finals from this division or even possibly the OHL Finals. Yeah, I, I agree with your, with your statement there. You, you look at it, Barry's going to be very competitive again. They, they always seem to ice very – very strong teams. North Bay and Sudbury are on the rise. Uh, a lot of a lot of high end young players coming in. Yeah. So I mean, six one one eighty. Quentin Musty going to be put in the spotlight right away. So yeah, big strong. Yeah. Yeah. N- nice hair too. He's got the. All hair <laughs> you were all about plus, that hair. Plus, you? he made me in the name bracket. He made me in the name bracket. Musty. You picked out a lot of names that will be in our name bracket in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta narrow it down. I got like 60 guys and I need to it was like in, in the third round. I can't remember who it was. I'd have to go back and look at the name, but you're like, oh yeah, name bracket. And then that the, then uh, the See? third or the fourth round and on kept going, oh yeah, name bracket. It's like okay. Right. Can't have like, 60 guys in the name bracket here. I'll remember, we're having bracket. two honorable guys. From yeah, uh, well, I feel like one feel from like the Q and one from the Dub because we did cover games, um, yeah. from them this past season. From so those we'll... games, from those games, so yeah. Moncton, Charlotteville, and the uh, United States Hockey League, they get oh, Muskegon. Well. Muskegon. Muskegon. We gotta have a Muskegon name. All right, Muskegon. Joel, out of beat. I like that. Oh boy. Hey, see from the top rope, man. <laughs> On to the Oshawa. Yeah, number two overall, Callum Ritchie. Uh, goes to the Oshawa Generals, the first Oakville Ranger taken in this first round. January 21st, born in 05, of course. Oh, Quentin Musty has the same birthday as you do, right? Or he does. Yeah, we forgot to forgot to mention that. 07, that 07, 06, 2005, I was born exactly seven years <laughs> before that. Hey. Yeah, uh, Callum Ritchie, uh, Oakville Ranger, Ranger uh, 59 points in 30 games there, 19-20 season. High skill. Big too, eh? 6'1", 175. Yeah. It's pretty big. Yeah. yeah, and of course we'll get into him a little bit more with Callum Ng when he joins us on the show, the voice of the Oshawa Generals. So um, I'm sure that'll be a huge topic of discussion. Yeah. Come his appearance on the show, his debut yeah, on the they show. Play, they got to have a homegrown uh, Phil Tomasino. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting topic with Callum about Tomasino and how that trade really never worked out for Oshawa, but. Yeah. Uh, On the three, Guelph, Cameron Allen, the Toronto Nationals, U16 AAA. uh, 
January 7th, 05. Uh, six foot, 185. Guelph needed defense. I mean, Guelph was in that spot where they need to go best available, in my opinion. I mean, they lost a goalie, they lost a defense, they lost some forwards. So you just need best available, and you hope you have a deep draft with a bunch of picks. And I think Guelph did. I think Guelph had a pretty good draft. 26 points in 33 games played in 1920 season for uh, Allen. Yeah. So that's a solid season. Yeah, I think it would be a quick retool for, for George Burnett there, too, and Guelph. Uh, getting, getting the top defenseman in the draft, is, I, I, he's got to be thrilled with that. Exactly, yeah, that's big. Yeah, and during that pick, we were kind of waiting for Guelph because they took a little bit longer, it felt like. And um, it was almost a situation of – like, are you sure we're, we are going to take a defense? Like we're sure right now. And I think, yeah. I think Guelph was pretty sure afterwards, especially uh, with the amount of talent this kid is uh, he possesses and the amount of uh, points he's going to put up once he gets to Guelph and plays it in an OHL season. And then the week before, like the week before we were talking about that, like, Oh, I had like so many defense going in like the top 10. And it yeah, you did. Like, well, I felt like, can you, I don't know. Maybe that's just my personality back out i think maybe that's why they it is what it is i had a goalie going in the first round so you that's did interesting yeah, you were close you were close late first round yeah. yeah late first round so that was interesting um uh, on to windsor Joel. yeah and they didn't take our boy that's no but they took a big guy they took someone they did taller. yep took one of joel's guys joel yeah, Ethan Mitem, a big power power force from the Quinny Red Devils, left left winger, can shoot the puck, uh, rockets off his stick. Uh, forty two games with Quinny in his Bantam year, forty four goals and ninety five points. Uh, talking uh, on on the uh, on the website, we have an article with uh, QRD president and U sixteen uh, head coach Tyler Longo, and he just raves about the kid and and kind of the work he's put in it, through the pandemic to. Uh, to, to earn a top five selection. Yeah, and they had some other guys go. Taylor Quinty. Yeah, seven in total. Uh, ten the year before and seven this year. So, uh, Tyler Longo was really putting his uh, his footprint on that program. And you also had a good one, too, saying that their practices, they're structured. They have guys from the AHL level, the OHL level out there running practices with coaches. I mean, if you're a kid, you're not, not going to get better playing. Like when you have coaches out there, from the, like Troy Mann, for instance, you have him out there who's a head coach of the Belleville Senators. I mean, you're going to get better with guys like that, like hockey minds around you all the time, right? No, and I think that's the thing is they really – Quinny really did a good job of not letting the pandemic uh, hold them down. Uh, like you said, they, they got Belleville Senators head coach uh, Troy Mann in there, assistant coach David Bell, who, who Reese knows a little bit, and uh, – Kingston France assistant coach uh, Tyler's brother Chris Longo on the ice with them. They're practicing four times a week and inter squatting against some of the guys from from the previous draft. Uh, Donovan McCoy is doing Wakeley's um, and just kind of working on their craft, perfecting it, and and trying to show the scouts uh, uh, their their talent level and their skill level and their uh, work ethic. Yeah, yeah. You you think about it. You look at you look at coaches at the minor hockey level and. You can say all you want. I know people are saying, oh, well, they're just coaching minor hockey. How many, you know, resources and contacts do they actually have? Because, you know, they're just like you, U16, obviously huge division, but you, you get those guys out there who goes, oh, they're just minor hockey coaches or whatever. But, well, no, they're not really just minor hockey coaches. They are, I know that level. They are the doorman opening up 
the future of these young athletes too, whether it's the Ontario Hockey League, whether it's um, U Sports or NCAA or what have you. Yeah. Well, exactly. If you if you care about the community, the hockey, the life, the lifeline of, of the community in the hockey sense, you you gotta you gotta keep pushing forward, and get as many guys as you can get in there, and mm-hmm. and keep pushing. I mean, seven guys going into the OHL that's huge, especially for that the size of that market too. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, pretty good. I mean, you got to compete with the Toronto teams too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, on to number five, the Kingston Frontenacs. Oakville Ranger number two, Matthew Soto, goes to the Kingston Frontenacs. Uh, 5'11", 160. Um, yep, 44 I mean, points in 34 games. Yeah, this, this is the time for Kingston. I, I know – Shane Wright didn't get that second year uh, developmental year that would have eventually would have been his rookie season. If uh, he wasn't insanely awesomely good at hockey, Um, but Kingston is the, these are guys in this draft who will be part of that championship run um, this year or next year. Think about how lucky we are to see, um, Shane Wright get that exceptional status. Can you yeah. imagine him going to play the game yet if he didn't get it? So we're lucky to see him get that exceptional status. And yeah, exactly. He's a he's a guy that's gonna he's gonna get his chance to develop too. Yeah. With uh, Soto because I mean they're gonna be so deep. So he's gonna get a chance to play that fourth line role for for a year probably maybe for sure half the year. And uh, we'll see. But he's a high skilled player, and I mean Kingston has a lot of skill, so he's gonna fit right in. On to Peterville, Nick Larvis, out of the, another Oakville Ranger, uh, 5'10", 155. Um, he had 74 points in 37 games in the 1920 season. So solid, high-skilled. A lot of high-skilled guys in that Oakville uh, Rangers. It's too bad they didn't get a year because it would have been interesting to see how they looked against the GTHL teams. Like, yeah. I mean, the Don Mills Flyers, I mean, the Marlboros. would have been interesting to see how they looked, the Junior Canadians as well. would have been interesting just to see, like, Hey, I mean, I know we're the outskirts team, but uh, we're going to be you. Now it'll be interesting to see. It's yeah. always nice to see those like big city teams lose. That's just my. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, we did it in baseball. We did it in baseball. We did. Yeah, you play the city times. teams. I mean, you know the vibe you get. So, oh it's yeah, it's always fun playing those teams. Yeah, well, systems and structure and stuff. Well, when you think about the amount of talent taken from the Oakville Rangers, you're looking at potentially this team. Their goal was that OHL Cup final and championship game and winning the championship like they had the players to do it i think i think they were the one team where you look at them yeah. you're like you know wild card team that could possibly come out of nowhere the oakville rangers and this draft just kind of proved the amount of talent that they actually had on that team and what they actually could have done um if covid19 was not a thing yeah exactly um yeah five um, of the first 11 players yeah exactly that's, that's amazing yeah 16 in total like uh Mm-hmm. Yeah, what well, like crazy been. on the Flint, uh, Tristan Bertucci, a uh, 6'2 defenseman, 178 out of the Toronto Marlboros uh, program. Interesting, 6'2, 178, big, tall, lanky. I'm sure he has some range. I mean, 6'2, one, uh, 178 uh, to me seems like a prototypical defenseman. I mean, mm-hmm. big, strong kid, uh, has some range to his game. I mean, that's what you want in a defenseman. 23 points in 34 games, so you can put up points also. Uh, 87 pens 
1920 season. That's my type of player. I was going to say, Colin. If you can do the thing. Yeah, if you can do your thing, get under some skin, be a shutdown defenseman, that's nice. I like that. Need a little rat. Yeah, you need to sit down (laughs) that edge. Those guys win championships. Love it. That is very true. Um, On to Owen Sound? Yeah. Colby Barlow out of the Toronto Barbells program. I like that pick. 6'1", 190. I like that pick for the Owen Sound. I had him going fifth, I think. I believe it was fifth. I had him going, but he's a guy. He's a guy that's big, strong, can play uh, both ends of the ice well, getting his own end, which is big. Um, Forty-seven points in thirty-four games. I just like him going to Owen Sound. I think that fits. I think it fits. Last year they went GT, uh, GTHL too. Well, not really, but uh, a Toronto guy and uh, Cedric Gudon. So uh, I think it fits. I like it. Yes, they start to build build up those forwards with Gavin Bryant as well. So hey, first point the other day. Yeah, how about that? Saturday, I had to I had to get point. him in, man. Yeah, thirteen. Uh, Pavel Datsuk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's wearing nineteen though in here. He's wearing nineteen. Yeah, I can't mean, always get your number. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, your points guy. He had a fight. That was interesting to see his Ooh. fight. But yeah. did he get an assist too to complete the Hattie? No, he didn't score. Got an assist and score. Oh, yeah. And score. On the Mississauga, Luke Misa uh, out of Oakville. Another Oakville, 5'10, 160 pounds. Skilled guy, um, high skilled, uh, 62 points in the 33 games. Going Mississauga, it's close to home. Close to home, that's nice. Play close to home, easy to adapt to the. Yeah, more than likely won't need a billet, so. That's nice, eh? That'll be all right. Yeah, that's probably yeah. – I mean, you guys have saw that a fair bit, eh? Like, in Niagara, you see guys all the time that can you – like, and it's actually pretty far deal. Yeah, well, distance. Well, the, well, the one odd one was Stephen Dillon commuting from Buffalo every – for the that's games crazy. and practices. I'm like, man, that's that's half hour, Dylan. 45 minutes from the border snowstorm. to the Meridian Center. Yeah, in the winter, those snowstorms, dude, that yeah. snowball, that's not fun. I know. So, yeah, that, that, that'll that work out well in his hometown market. It'll – um, get some more fans in the seats at the Paramount Fine Food Center, and yeah, I hope so. Uh, local talent usually draws a lot of uh, fan interest, but especially if he's a top prospect, if you're yeah. a top ten pick, right? That's a big deal. Yep, hundred percent, it is. On to uh, Erie, Kerry Terrence, uh, out of Kentville, seventy threes, U eighteen uh, program, six six foot, one hundred and seventy pounds. He Kentville had a pretty good draft. They had a bunch of kids yeah. go early. 28 points in 33 games in the 1920 season for the Toronto Titans. He's a guy that, uh, I mean, Kemp, in Kempville, that had a lot of guys go. So that was interesting, too, to see a bunch well, of some, 73s. Something that also stood out eggs. to me. Yeah, something that also stood out to me, all these kids playing in these U18 programs uh, in this yeah. year's draft. There's quite a few. There is uh, – oh, we'll get to them as the first round gets on. But Justin uh, Cloutier, Ottawa Senators – a U18 triple A team. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like even the Sudbury uh, Nickel Capital Wolves uh, U18 program. We'll get to uh, Alex Fair and Hamilton Bulldogs first rounder uh, in a minute here. But uh, all of these guys playing at that advanced level, just like Shane Wright was, but well, just not the exceptional game. status, which doesn't really make a difference. But no, the fact that you they're playing play at such a high level. Exactly. Yeah, I think when you play with older competition, you just get better. 
naturally yeah. you get better. You feel like you got to be on top of things. You got to be responsible. Yeah. Probably a responsible player too. Um, North Bay, Owen Outwater. Good pick there. 6'3", 170. I thought North Bay nailed their last three first-round picks. And the last – well, their second, I'd say he's a first – Dalen Wakeley because, I mean, Joel, you know, he's an elite goal scorer for sure. I think by the end of his career, you can put up Arthur Cali if Connor McMichael's like numbers in this league, no problem. Um, but uh, you get Ty Nelson, you get Dalen Wakeley last year in the first two rounds, and this year you get Owen Outwater in the first. I mean, you get a, you get an elite center, basically. I mean – 62 points in 70 in uh, 37 games in the the 1920 season with Oakville. Um, 6'3", 170. I mean, what do you want? That's just that's a center. That's your prototypical center. I mean, he's big, yeah. he's tall, he can skate, he's good with the puck, he's skilled. And I think that's what you want out of a first line center to be with there with uh, Nelson. So that's interesting. What a what a uh, what a big numbers too. 37 games, 30 goals, 62 points. Yeah. Like, high-skilled, big. I mean, I think that's your guy. I mean, I was surprised he fell a little bit more than I thought, but that's a perfect pick for North Bay. And I think Adam Dennis has nailed the first hit. So far during his time in North Bay, I think Adam Dennis has done unreal. So props yeah. to Adam Dennis, former Memorial Cup champion. Uh, Built through the middle of the ice, and he's done that yeah, with well, like, he's like got a what you're saying. He's got a goalie in Verbatic. He has an elite defenseman, Ty Nelson, and now he has a, an elite center who's big. I mean, rangy uh, and outwater. So you got three guys. I mean, that's how you build your team. You have a big three like that, you're going to win. So uh, shout out to North Bay. Them and Sudbury are going to go at it. Can't wait for that. Yeah, that'll be a really fun division, that central division. Yeah, the nickel. Yeah. The nickel and Sudbury. <laughs> um. On to Ottawa, Christopher Barless, a U18 grad out of, Nav- out of the Navin grads, a 5'10", 180. I mean, he's probably going to grow 5'10", uh, 180. I mean, a lot of these kids are going to grow because he's just turning 16 years old. But uh, yeah. 1920 season, he had 51 points in uh, 29 games. So, I mean, good goal scorer, puts a puck in the net, makes his teammates better. Uh, what more can you ask for? Oh, this is the name, the signing pick. It's the name bracket, Angus, Angus McDowell. That's the one I said was definitely going to the name bracket. Angus McDowell, I'd love it. Uh, 5'10", 173 out of the Marbles program. Um, Pro typical yeah. goal score, Tw- 23 goals in 27 games, nine assists. Yeah, eh? he got their winning record he's like a pitcher, eh? 23. Yeah. <laughs> 75 pims. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I like that. He's like, I think Sarnia had a good draft too. And uh, also, shout out to Taya Curry getting drafted. That's unreal. That's awesome for the league. I mean, yeah. we all agree there. Like, that's great. But uh, I'm sure in the training camp, that's going to be interesting to see what happens during Sarnia. I mean, the first preseason game, everyone's got to be watching. I wonder, I wonder if like Rogers will pick that game up for like, let's say Sportsnet One or 360, you know, like mm-hmm. on the side channels, they always have like, they'll put like a junior game on. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder that preseason game. I feel like that's an automatic that they would do that. Have like a sports night game. For her I could see that game. happening. 100%. I think you have to. Yeah, I think you have to do it. And I think that'd be great. Yeah, a preseason featured game. <laughs> that's that'll be interesting. Sounds Maybe like a plan. The situation. Yeah, it depends on the situation. Well, it's just she she's living the experience right now, and I feel like she's probably tired as hell because she's done so many media Hardly. interviews. She's like she's she's had a busy last couple of days, so it's 
yeah, it's that's awesome. Taya Curry, congratulations. That is just awesome for the game. Um, more than likely the first of more to come. And uh, yeah, that whole Elgin Middlesex program, her family, just it's awesome. Yeah. That, that, that was a good couple of minutes there where Sarnia uh, selected her. So yeah, yeah, right on. Yeah. Um, on the Hamilton, Alex uh, Harnad, um, out of the Sudbury Nickel Capital Wolves, sweet name, the U18 team, 6'2", 188, big, tall kid, another big, tall center. I know the draft was big, but a lot of the centers were tall, which I like. I like a big guy up the, like, right in the middle of the ice. I like that, a clear space. Yep. I mean, especially when you go, especially if you, it's easy to put him around the net. So, as he's going to the net, when you're big, you just attract defensemen because you're big, right? You stick out. So if you're playing, like, I mean, in Hamilton, right, you put him with uh, Donovan, you're going to have an elite – you're going to have elite scoring there on that line. So that will be interesting. Um, 19-20 season, he had 40 points in the 27 games. So you can get points. And uh, Sudbury and Nickel Capital Wolves. I like saying the nickel. That's what I always say. <laughs> but, um, I mean, they're building a program. They had uh, Max McHugh before. They had Max McHugh's brother go to Peterborough. Um and now with uh, Alex, I mean, they're gonna have a they're gonna have a program there, which is nice. I mean, a lot of guys coming to the O, so nice to see guys coming to the Southern. Yeah, a lot more opportunities starting to pop up for these young guys. These teams just starting yeah. to build programs and um, starting to figure it out and get these prospects drafted into the Ontario Hockey League, get them developed, possibly into the NHL or the AHL. And um, when you get guys going that high, your program starts to stand out. More guys will start to look at you instead of just the GTHL programs. You'll start looking around uh, Toronto. You'll uh, maybe look like the Oakville Rangers, for example. They are GTA, but um, you know possibly other teams, Niagara North Stars, Windsor Junior Spitfires, London Junior Knights. Like you get all these teams start to build programs, and yeah. Ontario could have one of the best provinces for developmental hockey in terms of at the minor level. So, well, the OHL Cup's the best tournament of the year. Around yeah, it is. Anything, I love that for tournament. anything for any tournament. It doesn't matter men's hockey, junior hockey. Any hockey, that's the best tournament I think in Ontario each year. I I I love the OHL Cup. Yeah, it's great. Got games on all day. It's awesome. Like the Erie Showcase is awesome. It's games all day. On yeah, to, uh, yeah. I saw I saw something that Erie Showcase. I saw a stat. Was it? I think Mark Shag tweeted it out. Um, they've had twelve games along with a number of practices, and there had been no positive COVID tests between the players. Yeah, they're in their bubble. or fans or scouts or anyone right yeah. so it's in, it's a nice setup there so the arena itself so the ice are, it's kind of like for us Reese is kind of like Paris you know like how Paris like how the seating's above and like the dressing is underneath oh like the there's um, a separation Brant Sports se- Complex yeah there's a separation there yeah so there's no seats it's just like a it's just like a standing room mm-hmm. up top and then the dressing room's underneath so it's really like it's it's safe. Like there's no interactions between um, scouts and players like face to face there because yeah. you really can't in the distance. And it's a good. No, program. you still got you still got to have those Zoom Zoom calls for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, Zoom calls, but it's not face to face. Yeah. Um, it's a nice setup they got there. It, um, they get their post their pre and post game stretching like their own stretching area. I was talking to Gavin about it, and um, he said, yeah, they get their own stretching and stuff. They get it, like everything's taken care of. I mean, it's nice. You got nice. like professionals out there. 
That's pretty sweet. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see. Also, a uh, scary incident yesterday. Bryce Montgomery went down on Saturday. Well, Saturday. Bryce Montgomery went down this dangerous one, a dangerous play. Um, he got hit like two feet away from the boards and kind of lost an edge. Hit his head. I think he hit his head off like the stanchion part of the boards. Mm-hmm. Got pretty good in the eye, nose area. Uh, he was cut pretty good, but I think he's okay. I don't know, but I think he's okay. So that's good news. Uh, yeah. If he's okay. Hope so. Big prospect. Uh, he's having a good tournament. Um, Next, we have a show guest, Saginaw. Luke McNamara, 6'2", 170 out of Bishop Carney selects 15s. I mean, congrats to Luke. I mean, 29 points in a 31 games in 1920 season with Junior Canadians, 18 pins. I mean, we talked to him. Seems like a smart guy. Yeah, he essentially <laughs> gave us everything you needed to hear. So if you listened to last week's episode, you said we don't even have to run through this because he, he, he knows he wants to be in a, at an elite level. And the fact that he just said, um, you know, forget living at home. Um, I know if I go to the OHL, most markets, I'm not going to be at home anyways. So uh, might as well get that experience started down south. And um, if he doesn't go down, we might not be talking to him about him yeah. at 15. You never know, right? Yeah, I mean, it sounded like you went through his spot. It sounded like he was interesting and in, uh, interested in Saginaw. So that was cool. I see the jersey too. His uh, profile picture there. He's already got the jersey and stuff, so that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, you get your equipment. That's exciting, too. You get the jerseys and stuff. That's cool. But, uh, yeah, congrats to Luke. Congrats to Luca, too, uh, going to Ottawa in the second round. Uh, Luca Pinelli, um, good kid. He has comp- confidence to his game. I think he's I think he's the one that makes guys better with his confidence. I mean, I feel like he's easy to play with because, like, he just elevates your game. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. We got four more to go here before we uh, before we get to Ben Leeson. Uh, number sixteen, the London Knights uh, take Denver Barkey and Colin. Sweet, this man. is a name bracket name. I love it. I love it. I love that name. Every time, every time he gets a point, I'm just gonna say lock in. Everyone knows me, go Broncos. So I I love it. Best name in the league, Denver. Love it. I mean, he's got a lot of Super Bowl champions in that name. Got a lot. I mean, all right. What up, what up okay. Rob? All right. Let's 46 settle points down. in 32 <laughs> games. Probably a good defensive player, then. <laughs> Name Denver. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> from now on to Kitchener. Um, out of the Toronto Junior Canadians, uh, Carson Rinkoff. Uh, I think I got it. Rinkoff. Uh, six foot, uh, 171 pounds. Um, High skilled guy, forty five points in thirty six games, fifty four pins. I like that. You have an edge. I love it. Yeah, have a guy that can play both the center and the wing position. So yeah, versatile. I yep. like that too. Coaches love that. Oh yeah, you can slide him in anywhere. You know, I mean, there's a couple instances in the OHL last time there was a play. You had a defenseman being your number one center against teams like Ottawa and London. Just kind of a head scratcher, but it is what it is. I don't control it. I just watched the games. Jeez, um, that's almost a, that's a shot almost uh, under the radar there. No, no, no. I just oh, no, I no, no. Okay. I just did what I saw. I just did what I saw. Um, on the Sioux at eighteen, Justin Cortier, uh, at Ottawa, out of the Ottawa Centers U eighteen team, five seven one sixty five. Um, no points from his last year, but a five seven one sixty five. Hopefully, he can grow a little bit. And then Barry uh, Bo Aiki out of the Waterloo Wolves, U16, uh, six foot 170 defenseman. 
11 goals from uh, from the defense. Yeah, 11, 11. From the blue line last year. Yeah, 11, 11. That's all the first round. Yeah, and before before we hit the break and get to Ben Leeson, uh, shout out to the Barry Colts for drafting Dale Howard, Chuck, 19th overall. Yes. Um, that was a really nice tribute they did there. So um, yeah, just, just had to get that out the there. Yeah, yeah, getting Ben to do the pick too. Yeah, I love it. That was awesome. That's great for the OHL. Yeah, that's right up there. I mean, I think that and Taya getting drafted, I think, are the two best moments of the week. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, that's essentially the rundown of the first 19 picks. Of course, the Niagara Ice Dogs, that's why there's 19 didn't pick, but they had two back-to-back picks early in the second. But, yeah, that's uh, kind of a rundown of it. And it's time for a break. When we come back, Ben Leeson joins us. Uh, News and sports in Sudbury um, covered, did a great job covering the draft this past weekend. Does a great job covering the Wolves throughout the season. So uh, we'll get his take on Quentin Byfield on this draft, on the Wolves positioning and where they're set up to be this year, possibly next year, or in two years, I should say. Oh, this whole thing's got me screwed up and everything but uh we'll chat with ben leeson after the break here on the owen 60 podcast this is the owen 60 follow us on twitter and instagram at the owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the ohl welcome back to the owen 60 podcast i'm reese demaney along with colin ward and joel vanderland and the best part of the show is starting right now. You heard us three talk and ramble on for 40 some odd minutes and blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, essentially. And now we get into, <laughs> now we get into people who actually know something and know a lot more than we do. Um, our first guest on the show this year, Ben Leeson writes about news and sports uh, for the Sudbury star. Ben really appreciate you doing this. How are you today? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Hope you guys are doing well, too. Thanks for having me on. You might be giving me a little too much credit. I don't know uh, how much I really know sometimes, but but uh, no, I really, really appreciate the kind words for sure. Yeah, no, it's a it's a pleasure. And with the amount of uh, coverage that the Sudbury Wolves have needed over the last number of years, Quentin Byfield, uh, of course, this year, Quentin Musty, we'll get into him. But uh, for the Sudbury Wolves, a little bit of a smaller market team to have a lot of exposure as they've had. It, it's been really awesome to see. And uh, with myself and Joel being part of the Niagara Ice Dogs organization at different parts over the last four or five years um, to get Sudbury more involved and to see the Wolves competing, especially the teams you had, Yuko Pekka, Lucan in there, um, of course, Quentin Byfield and just the Levens. And it's, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's nice to have. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you doing this, but to kick things off, I guess, you had a chance to relax a little bit busy weekend have you had five ten minutes to kind of reflect and you know think about the Sudbury Wolves and kind of where their future's going after uh, after this year's event a little bit I've been kind of catching up on things around home actually since uh, <laughs> got done with the draft <laughs> yesterday but but no I've been thinking about it a bit and uh you know it's 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 been a, well it's been a bit, bit of a different time for every team of course a bit uh a bit challenging I mean you miss an entire year um, you're going to be uh, bringing a team back in the fall in a lot of cases that looks very, very different from the last one you put on the ice. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's going to be no exception here in Sudbury for sure. There's going to be a, a pretty big contingent of r- rookies from two different years. And 
but they've given themselves uh, something to be uh, a little bit excited about, I think, with the last two drafts. And uh, there might not be a ton of experience, especially up front, but there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there seems to be a lot of ability, a lot of skill and some, uh, some exciting players that I think are going to have what you would assume will be a pretty hockey starved uh, fan base, uh, pretty excited when they finally do get going again. Also uh, getting the first pick, um, Quentin Musty, how much do you think, where do you think he slides in and what do you think he brings to the table? Like, do you think he plays that top six role right away? I mean, here at last segment, we had him thinking, I mean, he could start on that right wing spot on that second line probably with, I mean, the amount of change. I mean, Quentin replaces Quentin basically. <laughs> well, there could be, there could be that potential there. I mean, uh, haven't, haven't had a chance to see him in, in action, you know, on, on video, of course, uh, these last uh, several weeks. I mean, there's, there's a, an awful lot there to like, and sure, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big jump to the OHL. There's a few things I'm sure he's going to have to figure out, but he does come in as a player that seems to play a pretty complete game. Um, you've seen how composed he seems to be on the ice. He's got a lot of poise and we, we saw that I think too, with the way he conducted himself with uh, a lot of this attention he's had in the last few days, all the media availabilities, things like that. He seems to be a guy that's pretty at ease with a lot of it. So um that, that could bode well for sure. Um, it, it, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how all the lines work out. But, uh, you know, he, he could certainly be be right there in that mix. And uh, that's part of what makes things uh, makes things pretty interesting. Um, you know, a few weeks ago wasn't necessarily something that uh, you realized would even be an option for the Sudbury Wolves. And now, you know, here they are bringing in a guy that uh, could be, uh, you know, a kid to build around going forward. But I was just going to ask you a little bit about uh, Rob Tafano and the job he's done uh, since he took over as uh, general manager of the Wolves and kind of how he's uh, fitted the teams together uh, going for a run with Quinn Byfield. Obviously, the COVID pandemic uh, cut that short, but now kind of uh, how he's going to build around Quinn Musty, Chase Stillman, and what your thoughts are on him as uh, general manager. I'd, I'd have to say Rob's done a good job. I mean, he's... Uh... You know, it's he's been certainly been a been a pleasure to deal with for us too. But uh, you know, he he certainly has uh, seemed to make this priority to make this team as competitive as he can year in year out. And, and you're right, you'll always kind of wonder what might have been, especially this year if uh, you know Byfield had been back. Um, you know, they they would have had back a guy like Isaac Phillips, who's also signed a pro contract since. Uh, now Blake Murray signed one as well. He would have been uh, back potentially as a uh, as a 19 year old. So you'll always kind of wonder what they could have done this past season, and uh, probably wouldn't have been in the hunt for a first overall pick. And and you know, and now here we are. And here, you know, he really they really seem to uh, embrace that. And 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 I think once they realized that that Quentin Musty was going to be available. Uh, they did everything they could to make sure that they, you know, re they could recruit him and, and bring him in. And, uh, and, and obviously they've already started with uh, the marketing push too and stuff and uh, something that Quentin seems uh, to have uh, been pretty at ease with as well, which is impressive. Um, it's, it's been neat to see that sort of buzz being generated these last uh, couple of weeks. I thought the Wolves are there. It's a nice, uh, picks overall in the draft you know just in the first round uh getting Noah Cochran in the ninth round was a surprise to me because I mean, I mean yeah he's ranked a lot higher on a lot of mocks uh what do you think of the overall uh, Wolves draft out of the first round uh, it looks pretty good uh, so far I mean we'll we'll have to see uh see how some of these guys uh, develop going forward of course but uh it seems like they got a guy in the second uh in Alex Asadurian who's got a lot of uh offensive yeah. ability a lot of skill a lot of speed um, and, uh, you know, he'll, he's another guy that's going to obviously need to, you know, to do some work to, uh, be ready to compete the same way at the OHL level, but that's the case for a lot of these kids. Um, 
obviously they perked up a few ears, I think, with starting the fourth round on Saturday morning with uh, Matthew Mania out of uh, North Jersey, who's a pretty highly regarded defenseman, does have a tender signed with Fargo in the USHL already, and uh, at this moment is probably looking likely to head there uh, for the time being. But, uh, you know, if they can eventually bring him into the fold, that, that'd be huge for this draft and huge for their blue line. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah, certainly uh, that, that's another one that pops out to you is Cochran down in the ninth round. I mean, he was, uh, you know, some folks regard him, I think, as a first or a second round talent. And, you know, some guy, sometimes guys fall like that. And, you know, maybe there's different reasons yeah. for it. But if he, uh, you know, if, if he can answer whatever questions are, are out there that he needs to answer, I mean, that could be a pretty high value <laughs> draft pick for the team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to ask you, Ben, now about uh, – um, the rookies, I get old rookies, I guess they're, they played half of their first season or three quarters of their first season uh, with the Sudbury Wolves. And in terms of uh, Landon McCallum, uh, Ethan Larman and uh, Chase Stillman, where do you see them in this, the next season? Hopefully it starts in the end of September, but coming off of their first season being two years ago, how do you see them, uh, sort of rebounding for their now sophomore season and um, continuing to produce and push the Sudbury Wolves um, to a level that they can get to competing for an Eastern Conference title and possibly an OHL title. Well, again, that's it's a again it's a, it's just a unique situation this year, right? Because yeah. I, I think the last time I looked at it, the signed forwards that they have um, have a combined uh, total of something like 213 games of experience in the league, which isn't a ton, of course. That's taking out. Blake Murray as well, who's probably going to start uh, in the AHL next year. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and the bulk of that experience comes from uh, guys like Landon McCallum, Chase Stillman, uh, Ethan Larmond, and uh, also Costa Manikas, who's an OA candidate coming up for this yeah. year. And those are kind of your kind of your veterans now up front. <laughs> so they're, they're going to have to be key guys. And I know I think we'll see them all I'll take a step. I mean, they, I'm, I know they've been working hard uh, over the off season. I mean, we see the difference between Chase Stillman at the uh, world U18 championships compared to what he looked like as a 16 year old rookie here, you know, bigger, stronger, uh, playing a more physical game, um, you know, really kind of div- coming in, coming into his own as, as more of a power forward type. And I think with, with, with you'll probably see some, some real differences with those other guys too. Uh, Landon McCallum's at the, uh, the eerie uh, showcase right now. And uh, that'll be some good experience for him sort of getting, uh, getting back in the swing of things. And uh, Larman's a bit younger. He's a late birth date. So he'll uh, I'm sure he's done some growing and, and gotten bigger and stronger as well and working on his overall game. So th- those will be guys that uh, you'll probably have to look to a lot more than maybe you would have in, in, in uh, previous years with a group like this, but uh, it could be some potential for them to, to, to really be, become key guys for the team. I wanted to ask you, Ben, about the uh, the coaching search. Uh, if you've heard anything on that and kind of how that's progressing. it's It's been pretty quiet so far, and I think they really are taking their time. Um, they, they, you know, I, I, they could be looking to see sort of who's available maybe once, uh, once the NHL is all done, see what teams they're going to do, um, and, you know, and guys elsewhere. Um, I, I don't get the impression they've been in a – in a huge hurry to do that. Now that said, who knows, maybe we'll in a week or two, we'll suddenly hear about a hire and, uh, and then move forward that way. Cause I, I know you're going to want to have someone in place before the, before the season starts, of course. And uh, the, you know, I think they're going to want someone too, who um, you know, who's got a good track record, but also that, that they feel is a good fit with the management group and everything else. So um, 
it's uh, pretty quiet for the time being, but that could that could change pretty fast, I imagine. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add uh, the grassroots level in Sudbury is growing with the minor hockey situation. Uh, the Sudbury uh, Junior Wolves, um, they had some big guys going the draft this year. Uh, any to look out for, you think, around the OHL? Well, uh, you're probably going to see uh, see uh, Alex here, Alex Ferron's name quite a bit. I mean, he went in the first mm-hmm. round to uh, Hamilton and, uh, you know, real good player. A lot of the physical tools, he's, you know, he's big, he skates well, he's got a great shot. Um, and, you know, and he works hard. I, one of the guys that uh, probably one of the hard, hardest working guys to come into the city in recent years is uh, Damien Giroux. And uh, that's a guy he, he models himself after. They skated together uh, last year and, and through the winter. And uh, that's that's sort of uh, who he's trying to follow as a template. So you could you could certainly do a lot, a uh, lot worse than follow a guy who's got a work ethic like that. Um, we had uh, Sam McHugh go to uh, Peterborough in the seventh round. Uh, seems like a guy with a lot of upside. I mean, he's he's a little bit younger too, and has done some growing, and you know, probably still getting used to his frame a little bit. But he's got some scoring ability, so that should be uh, interesting. It was a little bit of a quiet year otherwise in terms of guys yeah. going in the draft, and maybe a couple kids that were disappointed, maybe a result of not getting a ton of exposure this year, just with the way things were. But uh, you know, maybe a chance to, uh, to to get some attention for themselves next year and, and go uh, in their second year of eligibility. How much how much do you think it helps uh, Sam with his brother Max going to London? Well, just two years before now. Um, how much do you think that helps? Oh, I, I think it helps a bit. I mean, it's a name that that, that people know and people, you know, Max is, uh, you know, Max is a good player. I think he's probably going to be an NHL draft pick. Um, certainly that it sounds like the uh, folks down in London have that kind of confidence in him. And, um, you know, so that goes a long way. And I know they've been working together a lot. Uh, Sam was saying in the, when I was talking to him just the other day, how much his brother has, uh, you know, pushed him and, and how hard they've been working together. And he's really trying to follow his, his example uh, in terms of success, success at the next level. So it, uh, it probably doesn't hurt at all that, you know, to have that name and also to have a guy like yeah. that to, to, cut, to model yourself after. Yeah, so around the draft yesterday, other than the Wolves, uh, what team do you think had a pretty good draft, in your opinion, that stuck out to you, other teams in the OHL? I think North Bay had a pretty good draft. Uh, I like their first-round pick. I think they built a goal. They have a good goaltender. They have a number one demon. Now it looks like they have a number one center. I think that's nice. Yeah, North Bay's been interesting. They've kind of got a couple guys in the last couple of years, too, that, you know, maybe some of those fallers who, uh, you know, who, who could have easily gone earlier, who they managed to, to snap up. And I got to say, they've, they've – uh, you know, going going from a team that didn't have a lot of success for a couple of years, the they could have a really bright future. Um, I I I saw that interview that uh, the league did with uh, with uh, Ty Nelson and uh, Quentin Musty the other day, and it, it was really neat, kind of listening to them yeah. talk about each other's games and 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 in such complimentary terms too. But Nelson's such an impressive kid. I mean, just listen to him talk, and you know, having guys like that form in the core of your team going forward, that's going to be pretty big. Um, Trying to think of who else that uh, kind of jumped out at me. It's it's, uh, it's it obviously tough draft. on. What's that? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was an even draft. I thought a lot of teams had good drafts, and there's not a lot of teams that had bad drafts. So I think that's a good thing for the league. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's true. It's uh, you know, even uh, you know, you even take uh, like Niagara, which obviously probably just you know, unfortunately didn't have a first round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. They seem to have made up for that elsewhere. Uh, drafted what three times in the second round got some uh yeah, the promising talent there yeah yeah the, the deadline the deadline was huge for them i mean i thought they won the deadline last year by selling and uh it was a good one yeah yeah absolutely it's uh 
it, it's early for everyone, but uh, it, there were definitely some some interesting talent going off the board yesterday and uh, Friday. So looking forward to see seeing it all uh, in action at some point here. Yeah, yeah. with Ben Leeson, uh, covers the Sudbury Wolves for the Sudbury Star here on the Owen 60 podcast. Ben, I'll stick with the uh, Central Division. And I know you probably couldn't give the clearest answer to this question, but in terms of North Bay, Sudbury, Niagara, uh, Barry, and just all the Central Division teams, Mississauga, where do you see Sudbury fitting in among the rest of those teams? Like you said, North Bay, they've started to build something pretty good there. Um, Niagara, they still might be a little bit near the bottom. They still might be in that um, beginning rebuild slash in the middle of it. But uh, where do you see the Central Division and maybe more specifically the Sudbury Wolves uh, playing out uh, this next season? It seems like it could be a bit of a tough one to answer from Sudbury's point of view, but there are going to be, it's going to be a tough division, I think. I mean, Barry's, I think Barry's going to be quite good with uh, what they've got coming back. Like you say, I think North Bay is going to take a step forward. Mississauga should have a good team. So they're going to be, uh, you know, seeing all those teams as often as they do. They're, I, I think Sudbury's going to, uh, probably have a couple growing pains with uh with a lot of young guys coming in and uh you sort of getting the feel for things when you have have teams with some really good veteran players coming back it uh it it it, it could be interesting to see where they are at about the midway mark and uh you know you'd hope that if uh if it hasn't gone quite as well as they'd like that uh, they can sort of continue to you know be patient and, and build from there and and really uh, work with that experience they'll have they'll have gotten at that point so i'd, I'd be hard pressed to give you a prediction as far as exactly where the placing's going to be but uh yeah. you know i i think they'll i think they'll give you know some people uh some uh some things to cheer about for sure anyway a quick i mean you mentioned earlier uh chase stillman lana mccallum uh those guys are up for the NHL draft. Any other guys we should look out for from the Sudbury area or the Wolves in the July's NHL draft? Um, there, there's a couple intriguing ones for sure. I mean, uh, Peyton Robinson, defenseman who uh, recently committed to the team, uh, he, he actually did uh, sneak on to the uh, draft rankings, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, what what kind of interest there is in him out there. Um, hasn't really played at the OHL level yet, but uh, certainly there's a, there's a lot to like and, and was previously committed to an NCAA program. Um, you know, another guy too, who, uh, you know, might have a lot of upside, but again, hasn't still hasn't played major junior in a regular basis is uh, uh, Nick DeGrazia, their uh, U18 first rounder from a couple years ago, who ha- has had a real strong run through junior A would have played for the Wolves as a full-timer, I'm sure this year, but um, still managed to stay on that uh you know, on the, on those draft rankings and, uh, you know, just has so much speed and so, you know, some, some good offensive instincts. I think, uh, you know, there seems to be some interest in him. So, you know, we could, we could easily see him, him go as well. Yeah. Exactly. How do you see uh, the dynamic of the two incoming draft classes working uh, throughout the OHL? It's going to be, it's going to be neat. I mean, and again, that's why it's kind of hard to figure out what the lines are going to be because these yeah. get, you got all these guys kind of coming in at the same time who uh, sort of, who have a similar, well, no experience at this level. Um, I, I, I got to think there's some encouraging signs from, say, a guy like David Goyette, who was the Wolves' first rounder last year, played a bit in Hawkesbury, uh, you know, under modified rules, also played for the uh, Powell Islanders down in the NCDC for a little while, had really, you know, put up good numbers there, seemed to be uh, make that transition to, to the junior level quite well. I mean, you know, the OHL is going to be something again, but uh, th- those could easily be guys who, uh, 
who, who sort of stepped to the fore maybe a little more than, than folks were expecting once they come in. Evan Kanyan and uh, Coach Adelic are both playing at the Erie Showcase as well and seem to be performing there. I'm hoping to catch some more of that uh, on replay yes, this know. week, but, uh, but they seem to be performing pretty well. So we'll, we'll be interested to see how they make that transition. Yeah, the showcase is pretty good down there. I mean, Landon's improved a lot. Uh, McCallum, he looks really good out there too. Um, yeah, you can see how the the added size and a bit more weight is helping with the kind of game he likes to play. Um, last question here for me. Uh, what were your thoughts on the draft process this year uh, with the lottery and the two-day event? I like the lottery. I thought it was it was a smart way for the league to generate a little bit of interest. And uh, like we were kind of chatting before to maybe kind of change the channel a little bit. I mean, they, they went from yeah. that really disappointing announcement, having to say, you know, we're canceling a season. Um, and, and then they turn around and they, you know, they have this lottery. They have a two-day draft. There really seemed to be some, you know, some buzz for it. I think people were excited for it. And, uh, I, you know, I was saying, like, they probably couldn't have asked for a, a much better few weeks. I mean, you have the, uh, the World U18 Championship and a, and a team with a Canada team with 13 OHLers on it that basically bulldozes their way to the uh, gold medal. And uh, now you have, then you have a top American prospect who chooses to come to the league when he was probably a lock for the program in the States. And, and then this draft, uh, which, which seemed to get a lot of attention. So uh, I think it was smart for them to, to kind of do it up a little bit, right. You know, try to do something a little bit different and, and, and get people excited. It seems to have uh, done the trick to a certain extent. Yeah, it's nice to see Musty uh, commit that early too. That's nice to see too for the city and for the fans. I mean, it gets you excited, right? You can get him out there, which is nice. Hopefully soon he can get into Sudbury as well. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, I, I was impressed with the coordination. You know, they must have, uh, they, they would have had to ship all that gear down to them and the backdrops yeah, and everything yeah. else. And I liked the thought getting uh, getting uh, Uko Pekalukan in there to give him his jersey was a nice touch and everything. But uh, like I said, it was I was impressed with the way the team sort of uh, jumped on that and, and really kind of played it up a little bigger than uh, than maybe they you know you might have in a normal year. It, uh, it certainly seems to have gotten people excited. Yeah, yeah. Sure. well, and it's we got a couple more events to go. We got the U18 draft. We've got mm -hmm. the import draft, of course, uh, to get to before we hopefully we're hopefully getting an OHL season come this fall and. Uh, uh, ben, we really appreciate you doing this. I'm sure we'll touch base again um, in the future. So uh, thanks so much for this. Enjoy the summer. And uh, our countdown is on for an OHL season in September. Oh, yeah, mine too. Thanks so much for having <laughs> me on, guys. I really enjoyed it. That was Ben Leeson, the writer of news and sports uh, for the Sudbury Star, joining us here on the Own 60 podcast, OHL Priority Selection Special. And, yeah, the Central Division, man, it's uh, – it's shaping up to be one of the best divisions, if not the best division in the Ontario Hockey League, whether it's next year and uh, two years from now. So really yeah, nice to have him hockey. on. Yeah, that North Bay uh, had a lot had a lot to say too, which is good. It's always nice to have guys on that like to talk and uh, mm -hmm. have a good conversation. That was a fun, good time. Oh, yeah. you see what's going on in Sudbury. I know, not too much. We, like you said, we, we haven't got, had anyone uh, from Sudbury on. I think, oh, that's our first Sudbury. I think that's our yeah. first Sudbury. I think that's our first Sudbury. That's Start working day. our way around the league to get, try and get at least one person so up, from Sue? every area. What up, Sue? Oh, that's... <laughs> Mem Cup. We'll need a long-distance code to get someone from Sue. Dang. Mem Cup. <laughs> uh, all right, time for a break. When we come back, uh, another guy who knows a lot more about the Oshawa Generals than we do. It's Callum Ng, the radio voice uh, of the Generals. It's going to be fun. They got the second overall pick, took Richie. 
uh, with that pick. So we'll discuss him. We'll discuss their overall draft. And I have a question for him about the 2019 OHL playoffs, the second round matchup between the generals and the ice dogs. I have a question for him. So uh, it's been on your mind. It has. It actually, actually, I just thought of this this morning. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask him this. Like I thought about it and I'm like, just going to do it. I tried it like, but yeah, I've got a, I've got a question for him because there were a lot of people that weren't happy with that result. Um, Most in St. Catharines. Okay. All in St. Catharines, but um, so we'll get to Callum next here on the Owen 60 podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast. I'm Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward and Joel Vanderland and the guests continue uh, we talked number one, Sudbury Wolves with Ben Leeson before the break. Time to go number two now with the Oshawa Generals. And we are joined by the radio voice uh, of the team, Callum Ng. Callum, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great, guys. Like, thanks for having me. It's amazing to be talking hockey. It feels like yeah. it's been so long <laughs> since I've been able to talk hockey with anybody. So there's three of you. So this is amazing. I love doing this. Oh, yeah. Wrap yeah. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you and your brother have a podcast, a Flames podcast. Do you want to quickly uh, shout that out? Oh, let's absolutely address that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So my much more talented brother, his name is Scott. Uh, a couple of years ago, we decided, you know, we talk Flames all the time. We both grew up in Calgary, um, went to high school there, and, and then each moved on to university in Vancouver. But yeah, big fan of the Calgary Flames. Just love talking about the team. And and honestly, it's just an excuse for me to get together with my brother. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's been fun to, fun to do that every week. And, and just like you, as you know, like running a podcast, it's, um, it's just, it's just a lot of fun, right? You, you can be who yeah, you want, sure. talk about what you want. And so I love doing it. Yeah, for sure. What does Flames got to do this off season? Sorry, Reese. No, I was essentially asking yeah. the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do? They got my favorite yeah. uh, uh, non-Red Wing, uh, Matthew Kachuk. So oh, he's, he's so good, him. isn't he? Uh, you know, obviously remember him from the OHL. Yeah. Yeah, well, what are they going to do? I mean, it's uh, they're not in a dissimilar situation from another Canadian team that has just found themselves out of the playoffs in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They have a lot of skilled players, and I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I have some ideas uh, as far as, like, some pieces that they maybe would want to move around, but, I mean, it's anyone's guess. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You have yeah. to be thrilled with uh, Andrew Mangiapane and his uh, yeah. performance of the world named uh, tournament MVP. Yeah, he really did well, hey, when when he got there and was able to contribute. Um, we were talking about that, actually. It's a really good opportunity for players to get to that tournament, maybe get a few more minutes. You know, he's going to play more on that team than he would for the Flames and in the NHL. So I think it's a really good confidence builder for players like that to be able to get out there and shine a little bit. And it's a fun tournament as well. I've covered a few of those. I've been there uh, to cover the IHF Worlds and yeah, it's a really enjoyable experience for those players, and and hopefully it builds some confidence for him. Yeah, for sure. On to the OHL uh, side of things, the Generals um, recently picked uh, Callum Ritchie second overall. How much do you think that means to the team and what he brings to the table? Well, first of all, it's amazing to have another Callum in the organization <laughs> yeah, around the ring. Did Callum pick Callum? What happened there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just go yeah, to the I office, have... I'm taking Callum. Callum That's right. Ritchie, I want Ritchie. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have very, very little, and and that, it, and by that I mean zero percent impact on that on the hockey decisions. <laughs> obviously, I want Richie. Yeah, but uh, he he spells it with one L. I spell it with two. But uh, other than um, uh, having a similar name to uh, the guy way, way, way far away from the ice, uh, he is certainly. <laughs> It's a really big kid. Uh, you know, I was actually surprised how I'm listen, I'm always surprised at how big 16 year olds are, but you know, he's Same. yeah, 6'1, 175 pounds. That's a very sturdy young man at 16 years old. And as far as I understand, I mean, it's it's been really tough. It's probably the most, it's obviously been the most difficult year to evaluate players. You're talking to GM Roger Hunt, and you know, they're doing as much as they can from what they had from the U15 era and what they can do via tape and, and obviously just talking to people and trying to figure out what kind of player Richie is, but he's a center, which is always good, big and sturdy. Apparently he's got a very good shot and he describes himself as a two-way player, very strong on the puck. Uh, you know, I'm re trying to read as much as I can and see as much of him as possible, but he did have a se uh, season back in 1920 with, as you may have seen, 59 points in 30 games. That is, you do the math, it's two points a game. That's an extremely capable and effective goal scorer as well as being defensively uh, quite sound in your opinion uh, Callum what do you think the generals needs were going into this draft mm -hmm. and again they didn't play last season it's kind of a little bit tough but um, what do you think they needed to address in terms of maybe positioning or size or you know whatever it may be and do you think that they accomplished that Hey, listen, Reese, you're always doing your best to try and answer that question, right? Uh, yeah. Especially in this environment, because you've lost an entire season, both to evaluate players and to understand what your team is. I think, you know, the generals under Roger Hunt as the general manager have always leaned toward what Roger calls little Ferraris, very skilled, <laughs> smaller, quick players, not unlike the way that the National Hockey League is trending right? With the yeah. type of skill that, that exists in the league and, and the fact that you don't necessarily need to be six foot one and 175 pounds. So the generals have always leaned that way. But again, having the number two pick is, is very, very high. It's the highest pick that, of course, I've seen in the organization since I've been, uh, you know, working with the team for the team. So, uh, you know, what do I think they were looking for? Well, it's tough, but they had a core, certainly that they would have hoped in Ty Tulio as a center and high school young man. And then in addition to that, Leighton Moore on the back end, if you were looking at, you know, very simple core for the Oshawa generals and the forward and defense side of things, that would have been it. So Ty maybe leans to be one of those. I, I wouldn't call him small for sure. He's five eleven, And by now he's probably 180 pounds, but yeah. uh, you know, he's a quick high skill guy. So do you want some sturdiness on the center position for sure? Maybe that's something that they were looking for, but at the end of the day, you just take the best player available. I mean, most groups would tell you that, and it seems like they did that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, with uh, Richie, how do you think he fits into the lineup this fall? Well, I think he'll be very, very close to either the second or third center position. I mean, sometimes it's a stretch to say that uh, because yeah. of the age of players and that kind of thing. But you have to remember for every OHL team, they've lost an entire year, which means that many players – will move on and go and do something else. So, uh, you know, whether it's pro hockey or they'll go to university because they have, unfortunately, they would have missed their um, overage season or they've decided to sign and just play with the uncertainty of, of everything. So, yeah, you, you, could, you could see this season more of the draft players, players from the draft this year, 
actually enter lineups way higher than they might otherwise have. And of course, Callum Ritchie is second overall pick, which means in most cases, he's definitely good enough to make the roster. Maybe he's bottom six, but in this case, who knows what happens with the generals? Maybe he cracks the top six. Yeah, for sure. And plus like with the two sets of rookies coming in, that also uh, is going to be really intriguing too, going into the season too, and the training camps where guys fall as well. Um, what do you think your expectations are for the generals this year? I mean, post draft, they had a good draft. Uh, what do you think your expectations are? I mean, two year, I mean, I guess two years ago now, uh, it was go in for a mem cup. I mean, it was a mem cup ready roster. Um, what do you think the expectations are now a year removed from that? I think for the group, you would have, there would be a lot of high expectations from the, from the group. Uh, certainly they were a team one, lot two years ago. And then, the year that did not happen that would have competed quite well. Right. And they were a team that mm -hmm. potentially would have gone quite deep had the uh, 1920 season continued. So I think those expectations will be high, but it's really anyone's guess. You would have, you're going to see a lot of yeah, new faces at camp, right? Um, it's going to be an interesting experience to go there. And, you know, half of the group, if not more, will be new faces, whether it's young, talent coming in out of the draft or where it's people who are just trying out. I mean, there's going to be so much movement at this age of hockey, given the expectations for, you know, just getting back into the game and trying to make something of your, of your career because you've missed arguably a year and a half of hockey. So it will be interesting, but yeah, the group, like the generals are tend to always be competitive uh, even when yeah, exactly. you know, maybe they shouldn't be. So yeah, I would, I would expect a lot of, of this group. And, and again, you've got that core, right? You've got Ty Tulio, who's done, you know, played a lot actually uh, in Europe and, and over the break more than, than maybe most. And, and a lot of the generals were able to do that. So people are still fresh. So we'll see how it goes. And plus, you guy I want to, to ask you about uh, Callum was uh, Hayden Fowler. I know you didn't get to, to watch him, but just kind of how you think he'll fit into uh, to the team. Yeah. Again, didn't get a as much of a chance to see, uh, as much of that integration is, but would definitely look forward to see it. And I, and I think, you know, overall, all of the choices that the generals make um, tend to be good ones. It's very interesting. And they tend to be one of the more active teams, right. Even around the trade deadline. So I think it's more than anything, just fascinating to watch them and, and see what happens for the players that get added to the roster, whoever they may be. Right. Yeah, for sure. And plus the Tomasino trade, uh, that was a big one too last year as well. Uh, Speaking of being aggressive at the deadline, quickly uh, bring that one up. Uh, yeah. Other than Richie, uh, who are uh, some names you think uh, could stand out from the Generals draft uh, this past weekend? Yeah, you know, I think uh, for me, it's it's a matter of going back and looking at, at the, A, the players who were drafted and then doing my best scouting job, you know, in advance of the season and, and trying to piece together, like see who these guys are, yeah. see, who, see who they are and see how they played and, and, and where they, where they landed. Obviously in the second round, they picked up Matthew Buckley, who I've heard is a, a really sturdy forward as well and pretty talented 38th overall isn't the worst place to end up picking. Uh, especially if you get to choose second overall, you know, you're on the back end of the second round, but 38 is, you know, would have been a historically quite high pick for the generals. Uh, but the fact that it was their second is is pretty good. But yeah, I mean, for me, it will be just a matter of going through and taking a deep look at the names and seeing how it all pieces together. But I mean, as far as the generals are concerned, like you can go back pretty deep historically and you can look at the third and fourth and fifth rounds and see players who will jump in and, and really make an impact. Um, 
you definitely don't want to count anybody out later in drafts because they take it obviously extremely serious like everybody else and they tend to pick up really talented players even later in the draft. Appreciate it. Another player I wanted to touch on was uh, Aiden Castle. I know he hasn't committed to the organization. Uh, maybe you could just uh, shed some light on his situation. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear what you said. I didn't hear the name. Uh, Aiden Castle. I know he hasn't committed oh, right. to the organization as of yet, yeah. but maybe you could uh, shed some light on him, the uh, 2020 first round selection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We chatted, chatted last year. So again, it's funny because you're a year removed from this, this whole thing. And, uh, you know, we, we chatted last year, probably around this time, got to know him. A little bit. I mean, I know that uh, from talking to him, he was eager last year and excited to be part of the organization. And most players, it's funny when when they get chosen by the generals. We're talking a little bit with him about this last year. They they're always very excited because if they have had the opportunity to either be around the organization or to at least understand the reputation for the generals, they would spend a lot on their players in terms of time and resource. So he seemed he seemed excited. I mean, it would it'd be nice to uh, have him in the building in the fall, um, of course, comes with a, a very high reputation and a lot of good things said about him. So I think it's just a matter of like for all of these players, whatever their situation is where they've been drafted recently or in the last year, where they're gonna land and, and what's going to happen with the OHL season. We're all very, very, very hopeful for, for what may unfold, but there's just so much uncertainty in hockey as a young person and, and you feel for them because they have to make the right choice on what they're going to do with their next one, two, three years. It's so important developmentally. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the generals, uh, they have a couple of guys draft eligible this year for the NHL draft. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what are some names we can expect to be uh, heard called, I guess, in July? Yeah, that one is, that one's tough because, you know, they've missed an entire year. And yeah. Like... You don't see the development. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem. And... Yeah, and like what I wonder about uh, in terms of like the the actual expectations for these players, like where they're they're going to end up, um, but we'll see. I mean, I if if I was a player, and I don't know if you've talked to many players and like what what they're trying to do, but I mean, I know it was tough in the past year just trying to get yourself noticed if you were playing at kind of in a more obscure place in Europe or, or whether you won't, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that ends up for, for those guys. I haven't had a chance to talk to a lot of the players too recently. Um, we did a series where we were talking kind of through the fall and that kind of thing, but I'd be interested in knowing kind of where their heads are at as far as that draft coming up. Yeah, for sure. With Callum Ng, the voice of the Oshawa Generals. Callum, I know Phil Tomasino, there's a good chance we've seen the end of him. Uh, in the Ontario Hockey League, there, he still could come back. There's that possibility. But um, if if so, that happens to be that he does not come back in his short time with the Generals. I know that unbelievable debut that he had in Windsor. Like, that was just <laughs> amazing to see what he did in that game. But uh, in terms of some of these younger guys that the Generals had, what do you think the impression, impression that he had on them uh, will do to them moving forward in their careers? Yeah, that's an absolutely interesting question because he was there such a short time overall, but um, from the get-go made an enormous impact uh, on the team, obviously as his performance and his own performance was pretty impressive over a short period of time. But, you know, a first round pick into the National Hockey League is always a significant type of player to have in the group because I think there, there's something to that. And then the other players, the younger players, whether they've been drafted or not, they kind of sense that and they know that. 
Uh, he certainly had a presence to him, a very confident person, obviously extremely talented on the ice. So, you know, I'm sure that there was at least some kind of following him and, and his, his habits. You know, I've talked to a lot of players who have played with great uh, players who have gone on to have like early NHL careers and, and they talk about at the end of their OHL career, what it was like. And then they just, they seem to sponge or be a sponge for players like that in, in terms of their habits and what they do. So I'm sure that however limited it was his time in Oshawa, I'm just looking, just looking, you know, to see how exactly how many games It's surprisingly low. I thought it was maybe closer to half a season, but 26 games in that 1920 season, but it feels like more. And, and, and I think that to your point, like it will be a bigger impact because it, it certainly felt like he impacted the organization in a greater way. And I'm sure that for the, those young players, it will be something memorable for them in their hockey careers. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Phil Tomasino, he's a confident guy too. So he brings that confidence to the room and it just, everybody picks up by it too. He leads by example. I mean, we've had him on the show last year around this time, um, maybe just over a year. And I mean, he's a confident guy. I mean, he lets you know, and he knows what he wants to do, which is impressive to hear from a guy that's 19, 20 years old. Um, my last question here, uh, what are your thoughts on the draft process this year for the OHL? I mean, with the lottery and the two-day event, I, mean, yeah. I love it. I like the plan. I was wondering what you thought of it. Yeah, I mean, it was just so unique. Like, when they announced it, you know, I had to kind of read it twice and think, oh, that, that's what they're doing. I mean, of course that's what they're doing. There's no order. It doesn't – there was no season. <laughs> how, the, how are we going to do this? All year you're thinking about that. We're doing a draft. Yeah. How are we going to – like, how are we going to do this? And I yeah. Like, I like it. Um, of course it had to be like that. And then, so, you know, after that kind of subsided and, you know, looking toward it and seeing, seeing how it unfolded, obviously for the generals, it was very positive to, to get the number two spot. I mean, that's the highest that they've picked since 2006. And I mean, that's a real Testament to how good this organization has been over a long period yeah, of time. But I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it was fun. It was one of those things where, I think for a lot of these young men, especially under 16s, like, and the players in the OHL, we've talked a bit about it. You really feel for them as far as their hockey careers go. These years are so important. So when I saw it announced and, you know, and then it happens and, and so on and so forth, it's just feels like something happened in the league, which I think at the end Dreaming. of the day is good for everybody. Sometimes you need something to hold on to. And so it was really positive to see that happen and see people get chosen and have their dreams come true. So yeah, I mean, I wish we could do it that way every year. I mean, I don't know, well, you know, how, how we do it, but yeah, I've had a plan. I've had a plan drawn up. So okay. the four, the four te- <laughs> the four teams that don't make the playoffs, okay. those four, those four are obviously in the draft lottery, and yeah. then you have the two eighth place teams in each conference. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the teams that are in the eighth place spot in each conference are teams that are just missed out, just made the playoffs. I mean, yeah. they've sold at the deadline. They they're rebuilding they're young they're there for that experience so why not include 16th but the two eighth place teams and then the bottom four that did not make the playoffs in a 16 lottery and i think that'd be great for the league for marketing wise because i mean people would watch that if your team's in the draft lottery you're gonna watch that i mean last yeah. year with a guy like shane wright like can you imagine shane wright in a draft lottery i mean teams would be all over that like i think it'd be great marketing for the for the league if they uh, the 16 draft lottery yeah, it definitely engages more fan uh, fan bases, right? Like that would yeah, exactly be a great way to, to do it. And then you you feel like and, and you're right. There is a there's a drop off. I mean, you could even make the case for six or seven 
that's what I was thinking. Seven at the most. So those teams are not definitely not in the mix really and and so maybe it would just be more interesting if they somehow got in there with limited odds yeah yeah like each odds like it goes down like for like obviously top four got a lot first obviously and then goes etc but like i think that'd be interesting to see what would happen with the league if they did no that doubt. yeah callum one more for me and this is uh maybe a throwback maybe not uh <laughs> few years ago the 2019 playoffs and scroll <laughs> scrolling through your twitter i see the pinned tweet that you got there of uh, <laughs> anthropops winner in game five at the meridian center and just it, it was weird because the ice dogs were all in they had gone out and gotten robertson and paquette from the kingston Frontenacs, and then of course closer to the deadline they go get yeah. studnika they get brassard uh, from the general sending back Leighton Moore, which I think was a mistake. I really liked Leighton Moore as a nice young defenseman, but um, Oshawa overcame the ice dogs, lost the first two, won the next four. And I just, I want to ask you what, how did the generals overcome that? You could call them a juggernaut, the ice dogs that year with the amount of talent they had, what made that team um, come together and overcome the ice dogs at playoffs? Yeah, that was a, a really special team. Um, and I was part of the 2015 group um, in so far as, you know, in the broadcast booth and traveling around and all of that to the Memorial Cup and winning it. Uh, that was a special group. But like that 2019 team really had something special as a group. And I think at the end of the day, like it might have been just a level of rivalry for, yeah. as you mentioned, Studnika and Brassard. I think they just really wanted to beat those guys <laughs> I, at the end of the day. Like, I, I don't know what it was. Right. Um, of course, like Stanika Broussard, great leaders, great players, but I think there was just, they just really wanted it to do it. And, you know, there was an energy around that group and just a commitment to what that, what they were doing mm -hmm. uh, in the playoffs there. And, uh, they seem to just respond. I mean, that is an intimidating building to be in. There's a lot going on in there. It is loud. You know, the fan base is really, really passionate. And they do a really good job from an events perspective of getting the fans into it. And honestly, like, I just think that group was a group of people who did not wilt at that. You know, some players would kind of, you know, not do a good job of rising up to the moment. But I think that group of Oshawa generals uh, and who was there, they really did a good job of just coming together and, and responding and so i mean that was a fun series to be a part of there's no doubt yeah, i mean awesome. you know it was just it was a lot of fun to kind of be in that building and you could really sense the uh the passion that both teams had for that series well, well especially too after game one kyle kaiser shaking up and you're like uh-oh what's going on with him especially after uh that robertson overtime goal and you're kind of looking at yourselves you're like uh is he gonna be good for game two what's going yeah. on here and then um obviously it worked out in your favor and took the ice dogs down in six but um yeah i just look back on that series i'm like that we lost but that was awesome like that was yeah. such a fun six games sure. yeah so, no so. that's and i mean that so kyle kaiser that's a good good thing um good point there because he he was just cramping like he he was you know that was the issue with him for some of those injuries like or some of the what seemed like a more serious injury mm -hmm. you know that he experienced just a lot of of cramping and at the end of the day like that showed you how much guys were engaged in in the series and like just how physically taxing it was i mean these are these young men are in great shape and for him to be just like 
whatever dehydrated or you know was just lacking a certain certain type of nutrition or whatever like he was just giving everything and he was engaged with it and he was in many ways holding the team in it so yeah that that's how you felt i mean i was cramping up in the broadcast booth <laughs> i was tired doing it but you know like i was uh, i was really engaged in it so yeah that's that's a series i'll remember for the rest of my life i mean it wasn't the memorial cup it wasn't the cha- it wasn't the league championship but like it was it was something and it was real and it was really memorable yeah yeah, plus yeah. in the playoffs, guys always cramp up late in the year, too. Like, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Callum, really appreciate you doing this. Um, we yeah, mentioned it you. to Ben. Our countdown is on. We're waiting for an OHL season, as I'm sure you are as well. So, um, appreciate you doing this and uh, look forward to chatting with you in the future. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. That was Callum Ng, radio voice of the Oshawa Generals here on the 060 Podcasts. OHL priority selection show and the Oshawa generals were in a position to go for a mem cup. And then uh, we couldn't play hockey. Which that, 29, but that 2019 memory probably. Man, that was, yeah. Like I said, that series, like, we lost, but that was, that was fun. I remember we were texting about that series. Yeah. I was in London. You were in the head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, was getting, like, that's when Guelph reverse swept the Knights when it was like, well, when oh, I, what's going on here? <laughs> I remember one specific thing from that series at the end of it, after the ice dogs lost in Oshawa in game six. And I remember after the radio broadcast was done, uh, myself, Jordan, um, and the radio voice at the time of the ice dogs, Ted Lehman, we were all done. We were packed up, ready to go just because we had drove driven separately. Cause I was given advice that being on the bus after you lose in a playoff series and you're out, isn't fun. So uh, Jordan and I drove ourselves and I remember standing at ice level in the Zamboni doors and Ivan Laudnia walked up next to me and he goes, man, it's over, isn't it? And I go, yeah, it is. Unfortunately, he goes, damn, that happened quick. It's like, yeah. And it was just like, he was like, all the players were, they weren't in shock, but they were like, we just lost. Yeah. What just happened. So yeah. Yeah. When you expected to go on a run and then then short, it's like, what the heck? Yeah, but, those, stuff, those are tough yeah um, but anyways yeah thanks to Callum for joining us um, it was nice of him to do that and uh, the guests will just keep on coming uh, yeah, when we return from well. the break we've gotten the insight of a writer we've gotten the insight of another writer we've gotten the insight of a radio guy time to go to the players the ice. I took the ice. go to the players yeah uh, London Knights Brody Crane yeah, we'll join big us. prospect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. So we'll chat with him next here on the Own 60 podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast. I'm Reese Domaney along with Colin Ward and Joel Vanderland and before the breaks, we spoke with someone who writes articles. We spoke with someone who calls hockey games on the radio. And now it's time to get to the important people that are actually on the ice, playing the game, being tough. Uh, we're joined by London Knight, Brody Crane. Brody, what's going on, man? How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Uh, busy weekend. We're sort of on the home stretch here of our priority selection special so it's going it's going good we're just 
want to see on the ice man dang at budweiser gardens we're waiting man yeah, we keep hearing stuff from uh billy sullivan about it eh? he's buttering <laughs> yeah. me up billy, yeah. i'm gonna get a text i'm gonna get a text after hearing this <laughs> yeah i want to get on the ice as well man it's been a it's been a yeah, long sure. we got a good group of guys and it should be fun yeah what's yeah, been the last month and a half been like for you just from a player's perspective for me i i was lucky enough to go to boston i actually just got back today and uh I was skating down there and three to four times a week. So it's been nice, but now I'm, I'm stuck in quarantine for the next 14 and then we'll see what happens from there. So how was Boston? How was it? Was it? Awesome. Were you at the warrior? Sorry, what? Were you at the warrior there? Like the ice garden or whatever? No, I wasn't. I saw that. That though. place is great. Yeah. That place, warrior awesome. ice complex or something it's called. That's yeah. nice. But yeah. I was just down there just, just skating, but it's, it's pretty open down there. No mask as of May 29th. So. Yeah. yeah it's all the whole states i think is open i think for the most part yeah yeah, yeah they're selling out stadiums i think game it was a game two or it might have been game one and well, two the bruins game at the garden crazy. yeah it was sold out. Yeah, the Bru- trick. Yeah. You, did you go no you I, go? I was gonna but a couple of the guys that were skating with me down there went and it was they were just saying it was unbelievable yeah i mean boston's yeah. such a good place to play i mean often off air like joel like we always talk like what place would you want to play other than your favorite team and like boston's always up there on everybody's list because just because it's a garden like the anthem and stuff like yeah it's a good place to play boston for sure um so uh your draft year last year is kind of unique uh playing in buffalo i mean you had a lot of ups and downs uh how do you keep your mind uh focused on hockey during your draft year i mean with so much going on Honestly, for me, it was it was a roller coaster. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had so many options open with with the college commitment. OHL teams are calling USHL offers. So mm-hmm. honestly, I just I played the year. I had a, I had a lot of fun, and I just kind of let it play out and see what happened. And then by the time I think it was April twenty twentieth something somewhere around there, I kind of made my decision and chose to go with London. Yeah, it's a good choice too. I mean, Penn State's good too. That's a nice school, but uh, yeah, London's a nice one. I'm uh, going to play for the Junior Sabres. Uh, why was Buffalo the team for you, uh, being from the London area? You know what? I'm going to be honest. It was a joke to begin with. Um, I played for Regional Gold, and our coach was actually from Buffalo. So he, one day we were out for dinner, and he's like, you should come come play for the Junior Sabres. You know, they, they had an awesome organization <laughs> going. Craig Rivet was our coach, and and then we actually yeah, made it real. So Yeah, you had some big coaches there, too. Yeah, they were all NHL names. We had uh, the GM of the Sabres, Kevin Adams, was our – I think he was the president of the Junior Sabres at the time. Craig Reve was our coach. And then later on, while I was over there, Mike Pekka was with me as well. So, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah what was the biggest – Sorry, go ahead, Joel. Uh, when you are in the Buffalo area, did you ever kind of cross paths with Quinn Musty? I know you're a year older, but uh, did you ever kind of run, in, run into him in your times in New York? I did. We were super close, actually. He was on, uh, they have a rule down there. Like, I don't think a 14U player can play on the 15U team. So I think our 14U year, he played up with us. He was in 13U at the time. And we did nationals together. And, and I think that's when I noticed he was kind of like really good. And I think we, we played Little Caesars, guys like Frank Nazar. I think he's drafted to London as well. And, and that's kind of when everyone kind of knew he was the next one. Yeah, I assume, I assume you guys had a lot of chats this past in, weekend. In, yeah. Yeah, we, we've known each other for the past three years, so uh, I've always kind of pushed him to go to the O. He's been pretty close to me about it, though. Like, I never knew what he was going to do, but 
I'm glad he's here and I, I think he's going to do amazing. that Joel had a follow up. All right. Uh yeah, so draft day you get the you get the call from Mark Hunter. I mean, London Knights, your dad played for the London Knights from nineteen ninety, ninety three. Uh what was that like here getting Mark Connor uh the phone call from Mark? It was pretty special for me, honestly. Um my dad played there. He was I think he was the captain for a little bit and then he got traded, but um it, it was pretty special for me, honestly. I couldn't even put it into words how that how that kind of felt, but I'm pretty lucky to be drafted by an organization like them, and hopefully I can uh, follow his foot, footsteps and then uh, see what happens from there. Yeah, for sure. Does he uh, mention anything about the London way or playing in London? Yeah, he actually uh, – Don Branks was his equipment manager, I want to say. So he, he's not around anymore, but uh, he shared some Branks funny – Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, Branks Hall of Fame. Yeah, Branks Hall of Fame in the bod. But That's he cool. didn't have That's to be nice – Oh yeah. He didn't have the hunters around, but, uh, he said it was awesome. They had, uh, I think it was the ice house at the time and they had 5,000 yeah, every single the night. old ice house out by Costco there. Now it's a, <laughs> yeah. now it's a velodrome. Yeah. <laughs> Ride the bike, bring your stick. Like, it's falling apart, but I, I know they have the scoreboard in the back and everything. We drove around mm -hmm. it one day and my dad yeah. actually didn't work in the arena. So he found, uh, he showed me around. There's like the room and everything, but it's all torn down, but it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a nice setup. There's a lot of tradition there in London. I mean, with the Nationals to the Knights, I mean, it's it, nice, it's, um, a lot of tradition, yeah. Especially from the Nationals program. The Nationals were a solid program. Before they switched to the Knights, I mean, they were solid. Yeah, that was way back, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that so, was also uh, back when it was actually easy to get to the rink instead of taking, taking not getting off the highway and it's like 10, 15 minutes longer to get to the bud. Like, yeah. I think hey, there's a lot of commotion about that, actually. Like, when they were building it, my, my dad was saying that, like, they thought it wouldn't fill up whatsoever. And then the first game, it was just that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard that story, too. Uh, Mike Stubbs mentioned that before. Um, he's like, he said that when they built it, they were expected to just tarp, like, curtain off the upper deck. Yeah. But, like, the media, but, like, the media in the wheelchair sections were going to be other media seats. Yeah. That's why it's built, like, the exact same way as, like, the press box. And, um, yeah, they didn't expect to use it. And then all of a sudden, like, you get 9,000. It should have been an extra 1,000 they should have built. Oh. Should have built it bigger. It's crazy what they do there. I mean, game day, it's hopping down there. Yeah, Friday um, nights are pretty sweet. Yeah. So, uh, how speaking of the butt, how excited are you to play there? I mean, being on the other side of the glass, I mean, you saw it all along the playoffs. I mean, Patrick Kane, I mean, Mitch Marner, Max Domi, like, you saw some big-name guys come out of there. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I've witnessed it all, so – Honestly, that's the next part being on the ice, but it's been pretty cool watching those guys and you kind of look up to them your whole life. So, so running out of that tunnel would be pretty cool. Unfortunately, I can't do it as a 16 year old, but yeah, yeah, it'd be fun next year and uh, it should be pretty cool and special for me and my family. Well, speaking of that, how do you feel um, sharing your uh, rookie season with the next year with another crop of rookies? I think it'll, it'll be pretty fun. You know, I got to, I was lucky enough to meet some of the guys last year, a good amount, uh, Connor McMichael, Luke Evangelista, all those guys. Show, yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, uh, he knew, he knew. <laughs> okay. That goes up there on the totem pole. Now we got, <laughs> we got Hunter Jones up there. Uh, now we got Brody Crane up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was pretty cool to like skate with those guys and kind of just talk about stuff with them, but to share the ice with the rookies, I think it'll be pretty cool. You know, we, we've got some good, players coming in and should be pretty exciting yeah for sure um for the fans that haven't saw you play uh what type of player would you say you are 
I think I'm an entertaining player. Uh, I'm a physical, physical player. I like to score goals. And I think for me, it would be offensive. I, I can play both ends of the ice, but I like to score goals and make plays as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I heard that before from a couple of guys that uh, you like to hit there too. That's good. I mean, complete <laughs> players, guys with an edge win, guys with an edge okay. win. I love it. Especially when you see the guys that came before you, I mean, they've all had edges and stuff and that's great to see that in your game. Uh, yeah, if you could comp- part of the game. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, if you could com- if you could compare yourself to a pro player, what would you mo- who would you say? I've always wanted to say Austin Matthews, but okay, cancel. Never mind. <laughs> Stop recording. We're done here. Really Stop yeah. the broadcast. <laughs> some people see it, some people don't. But I like to model part of my game after him and and Mitch Marner as well. So I just kind of I take a lot of things from different people and try to put it into my game. Yeah, for sure. Um, what advice would you give to the kids going through their draft year this year? I mean, you didn't really get to experience the training camp aspect, but you went through the draft, through the commitment thing. Obviously, in your draft, you had a lot going on. What advice would you give to them? You know, to- I think you just got to be as ready as you possibly can be. Um, we, we were lucky enough to skate a little bit this summer um, with TPH, or our local summer guys. But I think you just got to be ready. You got to be at tip-top positioning of your your career and, and you got to be ready to battle so it, it's a grind for sure just on the mental side uh you're uh through the announcement so maybe you guys would get a season going and then cancellation and kind of just the back and forth how how are you able to keep yourself in a positive mindset maybe talking with your dad your your agent uh just kind of uh, your advice on to, to the players uh that kind of went through that and uh what, what you kind of did to keep uh, in a positive mindset? For me, I, I honestly didn't really think about it too much. I kind of just tried to focus on my game. Um, a lot of the coaches in London as well kind of reached out to us and we worked together and did a lot of Zoom calls, uh, just going over video of some NHL games and stuff like that. I, it, the bubble was happening at the time, so there was lots of film we could go over, but um, just try to stay optimistic and just focus on my game as much as I can. And as long as it was pushed on, uh, just try to keep going and get stronger and more skilled as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, for you, I mean, you're in a good spot there. I mean, you have Mark and Dale Hunter, head coach and GM. You have a good coaching staff as well behind Dale Hunter. How much has the coaching staff been, like how valuable have they been for you so far? I mean, to reach out. I mean, Dale Hunter, in my opinion, is a Hall of Fame player. I mean, look what he's done at the junior level. He's won everywhere. He's a good player. Um, what do you think – they've meant to you so far uh they've meant a lot for me uh like I, I mentioned before we did a lot of video this summer or last summer as well we're we're continuing to do that and uh yeah I think them just trying to to get me better as a player and get me ready for next year is huge and, and I'm, I'm glad they're able to do that and take the time out of their day as well to do that with me with Brody Crane forward for the London Knights and with your time with the Junior Sabres Reve Pekka moving on to uh, more former NHLers, like you mentioned with Hunter. Um, going back to your time with the Sabres, what's one thing that you'll take away, whether it's a piece of advice or whether it's something that uh, Craig or Michael told you about your game that you're going to take forward moving into junior and then uh, as you get into the pro ranks, EHL and the NHL, what's the biggest thing that you're going to take away from either one of them? I think the earliest Thing that happened while I was there was uh, Craig Reve just kind of like taught me every single thing about my defensive game, which has made me the player I am today. So 
I'm fortunate fortunate enough to learn from him and, and it's totally transformed my game. I think if, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be the player I am today, but uh, definitely my defensive game. He's taught me so much in that area. Yeah. How, how important is that really for forwards? Cause a lot of people look at it as, well, the game, they want more goals. Why aren't they focusing on scoring goals? But uh, in terms of competing for, let's say an OHL championship. And then as you move on Calder cup, a Stanley cup, we just look at the defensive side of the game. And do you feel like, having that chat with him made you realize that, Hey, 200 feet is a lot better for me to play rather than just a hundred foot game or whether just uh, in the offensive zone. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most important things in hockey. Like if, if you're not getting the puck out, you're not getting scoring chances. So mm-hmm. for me, it's always been get the puck out. And that's how I, I've always just came up in the, up in the play as well. And that's how my scoring chances have came. But I think you make a living off that. A lot of players in the NHL just get the puck out, get the puck deep and change. So those third and fourth lines are huge. And and you'll see that in the Stanley Cup playoffs all the time. 100%. And you're a guy that likes to carry the puck too. So that's nice. I love having the puck on my stick. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's all, it's great to have the puck on your stick. You control the game. Oh yeah. Great. Um, My final question for me, uh, who would you say uh, your biggest inspiration is so far on your hockey career? there's so many from coaches and players uh yeah the guy could say Connor McMichael just chatting with him and kind of like shooting talking about stuff like the world juniors and in his draft year and stuff like that learning so much and then there's there's Pekka and Reve teaching me the whole different aspect of the game and and my dad as well my dad has been my coach for a long time we've chatted about just about everything him playing with the Knights and stuff like that as well Mm -hmm. so there's so many, but I don't, I don't think I could possibly pick one. Yeah. Yeah. Have you set goals for yourself? You kind of, the OHLs, and I know they said this last year, so it's kind of tough to actually believe if you're going to start on time, but have you started thinking about any goals that you'd like to set for yourself uh, in your rookie season? I think so. Um, obviously this year coming up will be different than the previous year I would have had goals for, but mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I have some in my mind, but I'd have to talk to some people about it. You know, I haven't played a game in the OHL. I'm just trying to get, you know, I don't, I don't think I need to get used to it, but I, I certainly need to see what it's like my first game. And, and then I think go from there. So uh, I've definitely sent goals for myself, though. Well, you growing up around London, you obviously know the Knights have a lot of a big target and they have a lot of rivals. What, would, what rivalry are you most excited to play? And I mean, you got Kitchener, London, you got Guelph, London, you got Windsor, you got it. You got Owen Sound, you got Erie. I'm not too sure about that one. I've always, I've always saw the Windsor London series, like the first round of playoffs, but it, it would probably have to be, I think Windsor, because my dad's actually a Windsor boy, so he's gonna have Ooh. a lot of friends and family in the stands, and uh, that's nice. Good WSTU center. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, that's yeah, all but, um, but I've, uh, I'm from the Windsor area too. Your dad's thoughts on Windsor pizza. I've always thought it's been the <laughs> oh my, Yeah. Uh, his parents live from, are, are actually from Windsor still. So uh, Naples, I don't know if you've heard oh, of it. Oh, Naples. Oh, yeah. Naples is a staple when we're in Windsor. So we yeah. always do stuff by Naples. And then something we do every time we're down there. Yeah. My, my dad usually, I know, that's what pizza. I'm saying. My dad usually goes Armando's, though. He's a big I, I've heard about guy. that. Yeah. We're, we're straight Naples, though. Oh, all right. I, I mean, I go both. It's <laughs> both good. But uh, yeah, Brody, uh, really appreciate you doing this here today. Um, I know you're eager to get back on the ice. We're eager to see you there. And uh, 
hopefully we can do this again in the future um, when you're lighting it up in the O. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. That was Brody Crane of the London Knights here on the Own 60 podcast, OHL Priority Selection Special. And that was very good for a guy that hasn't played, uh, played a game in the OHL and dealt with London media after the game. Yeah, hey, you I feel like London media is like Toronto, except not, not a, really. except more realistic. Yeah, London's pretty good. I mean, yeah. London's pretty good. I, I mean, yeah. I guess yeah, Toronto. They're fair. Far. They're fair. Yeah, that's they're fair. fair. I mean, Mike's. I mean, show guess Mike Stubbs, yeah. good guy. Uh, Ryan Payette Ryan, tells Ryan the Payette. truth. Yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah. You gotta tell the truth. I mean, yeah. we're just gonna nickel and dime them. Yeah, yeah I love that. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks to Brody Crane for joining us. Uh, on the show that's that's sweet though michael pecka and craig reve is your coach that's pretty yeah, sweet the instigators because that, that's that's back when the sabers actually competed and were good oh, oh craig reve was a like, good player yeah didn't he wear, didn't he wear an a was he a captain one year he might I think he was captain yeah yeah oh, i think pecka wore an a yeah pecka had a good career pecka was good yeah. in edmonton that one year he's in carolina before right when they won the cup I think he might have been. I don't know. I'd have, I'd have to look. I, I, I always remember Michael Pecka as he, like as a broadcaster uh, at school. I'd watch because I had Rick Jenneret's son as a as a uh, professor. So so like I'd search up Rick Jenneret all time calls, and like I remember Michael. One of Michael Pecka's goals uh, was in the in the YouTube video. So that's kind of where I'm like, oh, Michael Pecka, that's pretty sweet. He's made a Rick Jenneret highlight reel. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, Brody Crane hasn't played for the London Knights yet, but he will good look presence, very good so. when he does. <laughs> look um, out. London's going to love him. Yeah. London's going to love Brody Crane. Like, he's going to be a guy. Like, yeah. He might, like, honestly, he may be a top two round pick in next year's draft in the 04s. I mean, like, we're yeah. talking, like, for. If he didn't have his call, like if he didn't have his college commitment to Penn State, he would be a top five pick in the OHL draft last year, no problem. Yeah, 100%. no problem. He'd be top top three. I mean, he's up there with Pano, uh, Nastikov, and I mean Ty Nelson defenseman's kind of different, right? But in no, the forward still. department, he's right there. Yeah, yep. exactly. He's right there. And I mean, he's yeah. so he he's a smart guy too. He's a sharp kid. I mean, quick answers. I mean, it's like it's what you like to see. I mean, he likes to have the puck. I like hearing that. Like yeah. the puck, like good play. Guys. Good players like having the puck. So yeah, I mean, guys that shy away from the puck, I mean, aren't good players. I mean, yeah. those guys don't make it. That's the difference from being good and being great. I mean, Wayne Gretzky had the puck. He knew where the puck was going. He had good instincts. Yep. Kept his feet Brody moving. Crane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that uh, was a fun one. Yeah, thanks to Brody Crane again, and uh, it's time for another break. When we come back, we will get a look into the behind the scenes of what went down during the OHL draft lottery, what happened during the OHL draft, kind of get that perspective uh, of behind the scenes as we are going to be joined by Josh Sweetland. We have got a recommendation from Reed Duffy to have him on. So we were like, yeah, all right, let's do it. So uh, it should be a, Oh, we, we respect Reed's decisions. We do. Reed Duffy needs a haircut, but smart man. Hey, Bruins playoff thing. Ooh, yeah, he's one? always pumped for the Bruins, eh? He has a right to be. I mean, I wish, honestly, I wish, like, my teams were good, like, Boston teams. Could you imagine having a team that's good any time? Like, not just – Well, I mean, Detroit made the playoffs 25 years in a row, so. 
Yeah, that was fun. That was a long time ago now. It was a long time ago. They had the same amount of playoff uh, round wins than the Leafs do, though. That is true. Years. Yeah, That's good cool. point. Yeah. 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 So uh, we will chat with Josh Sweetland next here on the Owen 60 podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast. I'm Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward and Joel Vanderland. And we're getting towards the back end of the show, but definitely in terms of where we're at, uh, podcasters, writers, journalists, um, this is probably one of our most favorite guests so far that we've had on the show. Uh, Director of Communications, Josh Sweetland, joining us. Uh, Josh, what's going on, man? How you doing? Well, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, doing well, you know, getting uh, getting out of the other side of the OHL priority selection here, of course. Yeah. A, long, a long but enjoyable couple of days, so nice to kind of unwind and, and, and talk hockey for a little while. Yeah, do you get a couple of days off? You're busy for so long. Are they giving you a couple off? Oh, I don't think so. We've got uh, we got the U18 priority selection coming up on Wednesday, and yep. you know lots of lots of things to cover in between. Of course, some alumni stuff today with Canada winning the winning the worlds on a Nick Paul game yeah, winner, and yeah, OHL yeah, alumni at the center of all that. So, yeah, eleven OHL alumni and uh, and now gold medalist counting Andre uh, Turnia. So eleven uh, new gold medalists from the O. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Liam pretty... Foodie, Liam Foodie just wins everywhere he goes. I guess. Oh, he's a world junior, and now he wants to win the world championship. So that's yeah. pretty cool. A few, few winners on that team. Uh, really good to see. And of course, you know some of our some of our graduates also up for NHL awards right now as finalists. So yeah, yeah a lot to keep keep an eye on. Uh, not to mention, you know, a couple of our guys who graduated in the 2020 season. Riley Damiani, recently the AHL Rookie of the Year. So yeah, a lot a lot to cover, especially just with you know the the draft over the weekend you don't get to cover some of those other stories because you're so focused on what's going on with the prospects and who's going where. And so the, I, I always find the, the couple of days that follow the priority selection is a, a little bit of catch up on other things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I can add to that, I guess, uh, being, uh, I mean, it's kind of biased, but the OHL being the best development league in the world, basically um, how, how proud are you to see guys like Riley Damiani win the, like the best uh, MVP in the, AHL or seeing guys win a gold medal how proud does that make you feel like seeing guys come out of like your league that you work for um go to the next level and be good players and be good people off the ice too um how proud does that make you feel like uh, with the league for that it's terrific I mean especially uh, I'm kind of in a unique position in the sense that you know I, I work out of the league office uh yeah. I, I I don't I don't work at the club level but I do watch these players closely and, you know, while I don't necessarily know them personally, I do have sort of run-ins with them over the four or five years they're in the league, whether that be at special events or, you know, I make it out to the, to the rink sometime we're working on content. And, you know, I've met Riley a few times. Um, uh, Very nice young man. Um, But, you know, you, 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 you manage to form a relationship with these guys. And so you do, you do keep tabs on them when they move on from the league and uh, just some of the fantastic things that guys go on to accomplish, whether that's being the AHL rookie of the year, whether that's becoming a dentist or a lawyer um, there's all kinds of great stories, not to mention all the guys that are, you know, in the Stanley cup playoffs playing for hockey's ultimate prize right now. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I saw a story in the hockey news last month, I want to say, of um, a doctor, a former Kitchener Ranger doctor now in New York uh, in the COVID battle. So I think that's pretty cool, too. I mean, that's something special. I mean, nowadays with the way the world is, I mean, I think that's pretty special, too, to see a guy like that working in the medical field, too. Definitely. Guys with all kinds of skill sets um, playing in our league right now and and guys with all kinds of, of, of ability that just heard their name called this past weekend at the priority selection. I mean, sky's the limit. And the great thing about the OHL, obviously, is it, it offers them all kinds of options in terms of where they want to take their career on the ice, but also with the OHL's uh, scholarship package, just a tremendous amount of flexibility for them in charting their path forward. If they decide hockey, you know, isn't the way they want to go long-term. Especially now with the post-draft stuff, all that stuff comes into play now with the dates being set. There's a lot of uh, stuff, decisions to be made and uh, places to go. So that's a busy time too, as well, finding kids the next place they're going to spend their junior hockey lives. Absolutely. And, you know, I know, I know our clubs, they do a great job. Our general managers and um, assistant GMs sort of onboarding the kids they've just taken, introducing them to the organization. Obviously, our current climate with COVID uh, complicates that a little bit because I mean in a typical scenario these kids are going to their new uh, city for say a rookie camp uh, I, I'm not sure how many of those are going to be happening here in the, uh, the immediate future I think we're still kind of navigating things carefully that way but uh, yeah I know there's been a lot in the way of zooms and, and uh, informative sessions of that nature where you can familiarize a young man with your program and the principles that uh, that underlie it so um yeah, re- re- really exciting time for, for, for the young men who were taken. And, of course, you know, you always want to mention uh, the countless guys who didn't get get picked, right? And, and this year, I think more than a lot of others, you're going to have those guys who, you know, maybe they deserve to get taken. Maybe it just didn't work out this year. I mean, the one kind of unique thing about this past priority selection is I crunched the numbers. We had close to 20% of the kids taken, taken from four teams. Uh, you know, the Oakville Rangers, of course, tied a record, big 16 draft. taken. Uh, the Toronto Marlboros, Junior Canadians, uh, each had 14, which is a really high number. And the Vaughn Kings had 10. I mean, you add those up, that's a significant portion of the kids taken, which, what does that tell you? I mean, maybe it's just given the difficulty of scouts getting out the rinks this year, you know, these games, these teams being based in the GTA, it's kind of a centralized location. Maybe they got the most eyeballs and maybe there are kids in, in maybe more remote locations that didn't get as many viewings, right? There's, there's all kinds of factors at play. So I would just say, you know, for, for those guys who didn't get taken, you know, keep, keep your heads up. There's still lots of opportunities. You're still, you're still a young player and there's still, uh, you know, a lot of chances for you to get seen. Yeah. It's nice to see the Ottawa area as well grow. That's nice too. Definitely. Um, and, you know, they, they actually had a lot of hockey up there this year uh, in their, their U18 loop. So, I, yeah, you know, off the top of my head, it was about 29 kids out of that circuit that were taken over the last couple of days. So, yeah, a lot of talent up that way as well, of course. Uh, a lot of a lot of U18 uh, kids taken, too, like kids out of U18 teams, which is cool to see kids playing that year up, which is nice to see. Yeah, playing that against was... slightly older competition, right? I mean, the one uh, yeah. name that just pops into my head, Chris Barless, obviously, he's going to stay close to home and play in Ottawa, taking 12th overall. Uh, yeah, a lot of good players up that way. So, um, mm-hmm. be interested to see how, how they uh, transition into the league next year. Maybe if you don't mind, Josh, just kind of talking about the – 
the technology side from your from your role in the league office just the tracker inputting all the names and kind of how that works for you on draft day well that uh that end of things is sort of overseen by uh some of our partners at RankNet. Uh, they're kind of along to help us through that uh through that process on draft day our vice president ted baker kind of steers the ship uh as it pertains to carrying out the priority selection with uh, some assistance from uh, Director of Central Scouting, Daryl Woodley, of course, Commissioner David Branch is, is right there as well, executing things. Um, the RankNet software, I mean, we've been using that to execute online drafts, I wanna say for the better part of 20 years. I mean, we moved the draft online back in 2001 and I'm pretty sure they've been there all along. So it's sort of a, a coordinated system between um, the clubs in their location, which, uh, you know, as I mentioned before with COVID this year, it's a lot of these GMs are at their homes and people aren't congregating in groups. Right. So it adds another layer of, uh, of intrigue. That's for sure. But, uh, as for me specifically, um, I'm, I'm really running social when, when it comes to priority selection day and, um, Myself and my communications team, we all kind of wear different hats and we all try and cover the bases together. I got a real rock star in Sarah Jean Mar. You see a lot of her um, doing interviews with, with all our first round picks and, you know, with GMs and with, with a lot of people throughout the hockey season. She's really got a, a gift for making connections with people that way. And so she kind of looks after that side of things. She's, she's on the phone a lot and contacting people. Uh, we got Jordan Henry behind the scenes. Who's a real wizard when it comes to the video and using his creativity to, to tell the story of our league, Steve Coulterman, also another guy who, you know, is behind the scenes and he's, he's slicing and dicing, putting together interviews, Sarah Jean's feeding him stuff throughout the day. And I'm kind of the guy who sits behind a computer with smoke coming out of my ears, trying to keep up uh, with <laughs> Twitter and, you know, Facebook and Instagram and kind of like the octopus arms. Right. So uh, I, I will tell you at the end of Saturday, my, my brain is pretty fried. So you get through 299 picks and that that's about it. So. Oh, yeah. yeah um, speaking of the draft, uh, how do you think it went this year? I mean, you think it went smooth? I mean, there's a couple of things there. Uh, Owen Sound with the 06 pick, but how do you feel like the draft went overall, in your opinion? All things considered, uh, fairly positive. We hit a bit of a snag with some hardware issues off the top that uh, oh, we, yeah, had, we had we had we had we had to work to get uh, resolved. But I found as the as the priority selection proceeded, things things smoothed out. Um, yeah, there, I think there was a little bit of a blip. I want to say it was like the 12th round, um, yeah, where we had an eligibility issue with a player, um, and that needed to be resolved. And Owen Sound was able to, uh, make their pick again. And, and as I recall it, you know, being part of, of priority selections for about 10 years, that has happened in the past. Um, there's so many kids and especially um, this year. Yeah. And well, especially this year where, you know, if anything, people are less familiar with the eligibility list, right? So yeah. um, it turned it turned out, I believe, the player who was selected was was an 06 who was playing playing up at the 05 level, um, yeah. and yeah, so they had to resolve that, and um, you know, no doubt we'll see that player uh, hearing his name called again next year. Next year. So yeah, he's lucky; he gets to hear it twice. He gets he gets, he gets it twice. twice. He can tell his grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah, that's cool. He's that guy. You guys should get him a T-shirt when he gets drafted. He gets a T-shirt. I'm that guy. Have both dates. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Uh, um, so, if the lottery, uh, 
I mean, it was a busy night. I liked the idea. I think it was a great for marketing too. I think it's great for fan bases. I mean, I had an idea to have six team, to have a six team lottery. I mean, have the two eighth place conference teams because I feel like the eighth place conference team is a team that's rebuilding usually, anyways. But um, have the top, have the bottom six in a lottery each year. Um, I want to know your thoughts on the draft lottery this year. Well, I think it was an idea. I want to say came from our league competitions committee, which consists of a number of general managers who who meet together on matters of this, of, of the like. And obviously where we're coming from, where we didn't have a season and there wasn't an established uh, standings at the end of everything, uh, you needed to come up with the most equitable solution for all teams involved, right? And when you really have nothing to go off of, well, we go with an equally weighted uh, 20-team lottery to establish the order of selection through the whole through the whole draft, right? So um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought Sam, I loved you know, it. I hope they maybe that's it. just because it's it. something that I've never experienced before in my time uh, around this league. I th- I think a lot of the oh, did I lose you guys? Can you hear me still? We still got yeah, you. You're good. Just froze for a bit. Yeah. Sorry, guys. All good. That's a 2021 technology. I think my I think my internet went fuzzy for a second. Hold on a sec. I get the same experience here, Della. You're good. My back now. Yep, you're good. Yep. Hold on, guys. I'll I'll just reconnect. Okay. Okay. Yep. I can resend the invite if you want me to. I think I think if I oh, go, out, go. go out and back in, it will reconnect me. Okay. Yeah, I just so. let me know. I can invite you if not. Just just one second. Sorry, sorry. I, I can answer that question again if you if you need me to. Yep. All right. You guys have me now? Yep. I got you. Okay. Sorry about that. I'll I'll, uh, I'll try and answer that question again. Uh, did so, you need Did you need him to ask me again for the purpose of the audio? Uh yeah, yeah. That would that would be good. A lot easier. I'll, to just, wait. I'll just wait a couple of seconds. Then. Yeah, that's good. I might just turn my video off because that might help. I I, sus- I suspect it's my internet here. If yeah. you guys don't mind, if that that uh, doesn't impact anything, right? So no, no, no you're no, good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Yeah, and with the draft lottery uh, this year, how do you feel that went over for the league as well, Josh? Um, I like the idea. I like an idea of having a sixteen lottery with the eighth, uh, with the two eighth place uh, teams as well from each conference in the draft lottery, having a sixteen lottery. Um, what was your thoughts on the draft lottery? Well, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, maybe that's just because I've never been a part of something like that in my time. Uh, with the league. I think the fans enjoyed it. I talked to a lot of my friends at the club level and they had a lot of fun with it too. Um, You know, you come out of a season where we, we didn't have a season and what's the most equitable way to establish uh, an order of selection. Well, it was determined uh, an equally weighted 20 team lottery uh, to establish the order of selection through the entire priority selection. So I, you know, I think it worked out well. Um, 
as to what things would look like in the future, I can't really speak to that. Uh, it's not really mm -hmm. uh, my domain to make that kind of decision, but uh, would it be fun? Yeah, it would, I think it would certainly add a level of intrigue to things, you know, at the end of a season with, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, uh, Colin, maybe a couple of your, your, your lower seated teams in the standings, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. I'm not really, uh, not really sure what, what the future holds for the likelihood of a lottery moving forward. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, how important, I mean, the dates are out now for uh, training camp. How nice is that to have those out now, the training camp dates, the opening night, uh, the opening night uh, date as well. Uh, how nice is that to have that out after the past year? Yeah, we rolled the, that out a few weeks ago. And obviously it's, mm -hmm. it's always nice to have something to shoot towards. And you know, I'm obviously speaking as someone who works in, uh, in areas off the ice, you know, communications being my, my realm, but there's still a lot of planning that goes into launching uh, a season and obviously training camps and wanting to be prepared and have your ducks in a row. And, and that's just, that's just off the ice, Never mind the players and, and their level of anticipation as they try and be physically ready for, um, you know, getting back into their OHL cities and, and competing for a roster spot in a landscape that uh, really when we've had two, priority selections uh full of players who haven't yet played a game in our league you'll have to think that's going to make for some pretty competitive uh training camp and preseason play yeah for sure. yeah with josh sweetland director of communications for the ontario hockey league here on the own 60 podcast josh over this last uh lot of months 14 15 months uh, what would you say the biggest challenge of your job was Huh. Well, I mean, I largely live in the realm of telling the story of the Ontario Hockey League, right? Mm -hmm. And covering our league on the day-to-day. -day. Now, when you don't have any games, that gets a little more challenging. Um, and, I, and some people are a little bit surprised when I say that because they think, oh, but if there's more games, doesn't that just mean there's a, a higher volume of work for you? But, but, but truthfully, I mean, uh, when, there's, when there isn't any action happening on the ice, you know, you, you want to be able to keep your league front of mind. Uh, you want to be promoting your players and your teams, right? So you have to find creative ways to do that. And I think one of the ways that uh, our team at the league office, myself, Sarah Jean, Jordan, and Steve, uh, we really planned to tell the league story, both past, present, and future. Um, try and dig into our league's extensive history with, you know, everyone from uh, from Wayne Gretzky to Bobby Orr, Eric Lindros, all those stories that can be told. In addition to the players that are currently in our league right now, um, that uh, you know have been have been very patient over the span of the last fourteen months, and obviously uh, some of those guys have have found opportunities to get back onto the ice and play, and others have have worked hard in their in their time at home, you know, in the gym and, and off the ice, and really tried to stay motivated for for when we do return to play. But obviously the the future of the league as well right as i mentioned before we've had two now we've had two drafts of, of players that our fans haven't really gotten to know yet right so there's a huge opportunity for content and and uh, getting those players uh, in front of the fans and getting to know them as people right as young men with with dreams and aspirations and and not to mention you know uh, significant hockey skills that we're all very eager to see right so it's finding creative ways to tell those stories um mm -hmm. There's obviously been things along the way, you know, the NHL draft. Uh, we had one of those last summer and we have another one 
coming up here. So th th there's lots of events along the way that certainly give us a lot to do, but you know, there is, um, I don't want to say there's more downtime because that's not necessarily true, but there's definitely gaps when you don't have, you know, a regular flow of things as a league where you're trying to find creative and, and uh, engaging ways to tell your story. Josh, there might not be a bigger story from the weekend. Uh, the league made history when Taya Curry was selected uh, as the first female to ever be uh, picked in the OHL priority selection. Can you just talk about that for a minute? Oh yeah. What a fantastic story. Um, that has been, uh, that has been, I want to say national news, but it's also been, you know, big news in the U S I mean, I, I monitor uh, the social feeds fairly closely and we had, we had ESPN putting that out today. So um, yeah, really exciting really excited for Taya. Uh, she's worked really hard to uh, put herself in that position. Obviously I believe she's played seven years of, of uh, boys triple a with elgin middlesex and been with that group um kind of all the way up right so for her to be able to excel the way she has uh at the u16 level and get herself drafted by the sarnia sting pretty impressive and, and really happy for her and really excited to see what the future holds she's certainly got a lot of options in front of her and she's in a very um a very good organization that is very close to her home in Park Hill. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, where, where things go there. Yeah, for sure. Great story. Um, I just want to mention, I want to switch sides to the apparel side, uh, the Bar Down uh, collaboration. That's pretty cool. Um, how can uh, one go about uh, purchasing the OHL uh, Bar Down apparel? Yeah, we, uh, we, we connected with, pretty uh, cool. we connected with Ben Sackerty there uh, over the last uh, few months and, Worked on an arrangement, and, and they, they do some really cool stuff, eh? Um, yeah. But basically, if you – if you uh, I, I want to say it's go bar down, go bar down dot com. Just make sure I get that right. But, yeah, you go, you go to their website, gobardown.com. They've, uh, they've got an OHL tab right at the top of the website. You can browse through team-branded merchandise, uh, all, all 20 OHL member teams and a variety of – uh, right different apparel so yeah be sure to check that out we've uh, we've had a lot of fun working with them and creative ways to to promote to, to promote the brand and yeah a really good group to work with and the league as well uh, has apparel on their website too i will uh, i will tweet the i'll tweet the links out for the bar down and the league apparel as well and i'll put it on uh, the show's twitter yeah we uh, we also uh, a little further back we had partnered with entropy um and they uh, they do specifically league branded apparel. Just go in there now, and they they turn around they turn things around really fast. But yeah, if you go over to OntarioHockeyLeague.EntropyShirts.com, um, it's a little faster if you don't want to remember all that. Just to go to the OHL website and go to uh, go to go to the shop tab on the top top nav bar. You can just scroll down and search that Ontario Hockey League official shop. Uh, shop now button but yeah they do some great league branded uh, stuff i actually yeah. have a few items here at home um and yeah they turn things around really quick and ship uh, really efficiently uh manny brar runs a really good operation there so thanks for thanks for bringing that up guys i uh i appreciate yeah, that no yeah no no problem I'm gonna grow the league uh, yeah so that's the point of the show and we will uh, do that for sure um i will tweet that out on the show link uh my last question for me uh was um what makes you most proud to be a part of the OHL? Well, I could be a really long-winded answer. Um, 
I grew up watching the OHL every Friday night uh, in London at the Ice House. Uh, my oh. old my old man would always take me to the Knights games, and so I remember the Ice House. I, I uh, yeah, that, well, I'm I'm a little older than you guys. I, I'm you know you guys are spring chickens, but uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah I grew up going to the going to the Ice House and watching the Knights play, and you know back when Jason Allison was playing for the Knights. Yeah, I think that kind of instilled a love for the league and me, and and uh, you know, so I, I I really followed the league closely through high school and and got into uh, university and started doing some stuff with London Knights, just volunteering, really any any way that I could be involved. You know, I I, I recall actually, I uh, I had tried out for the Norwich Merchants and got cut. I think I was like sixteen or seventeen years old. And, uh, you know, quickly, quickly realized that, you know, like I'm not good enough to, to, to play hockey at much of a level. I, I was a goaltender. Um, and I, I really decided there, you know, like, you know, I'd really love to work in hockey. So I'll do, I'll do just about anything to put myself in that position. So I sent a resume to, uh, to Jimmy McKellar with the London Knights. And he was the guy who kind of gave me my first opportunity. And it was really just basic stuff. But I was, I was having a lot of fun and I kind of kicked around uh, London for a few years until I got done university and uh, got an opportunity with the Belleville Bulls um, through, uh, through Gord Simmons. Um, and I worked there for four seasons um, and that was a lot of fun. And yeah, gradually I made my way into the league office. Um, so all that to say, what makes me uh, proud to be a part of the Ontario Hockey League, it's just, it's, it's a, it's genuinely a great place for, for young men to develop and, as I said earlier in the show, it just, it gives them so many options when it comes to their career path. Like there's, there's so many decisions that a young man makes between the years of, you know, 15, 16 and 20 or 21, right. Um, so many, so many possibilities in front of them. And I really think the Ontario hockey league does a good job of, of leaving those doors open for them. Right. Um, some guys, some guys are at the elite level where they're going to get drafted and sign an entry level deal and off they go. They're off to pro hockey. Right. But that's not true for all of them. Right. Some of them, some of them uh, find, find their way through the U sports path. And man, that, 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 that level has really grown in quality over the years. Right. Like that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and and you're, you're seeing guys go on to sign minor pro deals out of that. And who knows where they can go from there. Right. Not to mention the guys who, who maybe hang them up when they're 27 years old and become lawyers and heck our society needs those, you know, they need, needs paramedics, you know, doctors, whatever you name it. Right. So I just, I think the league is just a great place for, um, you know, young men. And I guess I should say, you know, young women with, with Taya there and and, and the great news from uh, the past weekend to, uh, to develop through their, through their teen years. Yeah. And, and, and if you were a person in a position where, you had to, and as director of communications, this kind of is up your alley anyways, but uh, in terms of maybe a player who's on the fence or like someone who moves here from uh, a different country. I know when I was with the ice dogs, there were multiple fans who they put it up on the jumbotron and be like, Oh, they're visiting from Scotland and their first hockey game mm. ever uh, yeah. would be at the Meridian center. Um, so in terms of that, in terms of the league being, such a good tool for players and even fans to kind of, you know, learn about all of these guys and where they head to afterwards and seeing them grow throughout their four or five years in the league. Uh, uh, that That's easily one of the biggest selling points. So for you, is that what makes your job easier in that sense is that 
this league kind of helps itself out the way that all these players are coming out of it being much better people and much better players. There's definitely something to that Reese. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, part of it is on myself and, and our communications group to, to highlight those stories, right? Like mm-hmm. people aren't necessarily going to know if we don't highlight them. So, you know, I think, I think part of it is on us to, to keep tabs on those guys. Like, you know, just saw it today, Aaron Luchuk won the ECHL scoring title. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, but, 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 but there's all kinds of different little achievements that, that guys make, you know, we talk like Nathan Shear Liddy, who's done great things in his uh, academic uh, career, you know, wanted to become a doctor. And uh, I think Eric Locke is on that trajectory as well through, through you uh, Ottawa, I want to say it was uh, even a guy like me and like last year, not that old. He was, he was the interim coach for McGill's men's team at, at you know, before the age of 30. I mean, that, that, that's an accomplishment, right? Like there's all kinds of great stories from guys who, who came through the Ontario hockey league, whether they were big names in the OHL or whether they were a third line grinder, right? Everybody's got a story and, you know, these guys go on to do some great things. And that's why I think the OHL alumni association we have uh, with the league is so great. You know, back before we, we found ourselves in these current circumstances, you know, an annual golf tournament for charity and just so great to see all the guys connect there. And it's, it's selfishly it's a great opportunity for content because you have all these guys there and you know great great interviews and guys telling you old stories about their their junior careers and you know letting you know what they're doing now and that's a great opportunity for us to to get some of those stories and we can roll them out later to the fans and um you know working with the 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 guys in the chl office as well to be able to tell those stories from coast to coast with with inclusion of the quebec league in the west um yeah, the CHL, it's, 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 it's really great. 60 teams strong. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. We, that's why we cover it. That's why we're doing this podcast. This league is just uh, with Colin and the Knights. Um, I've lived in multiple OHL areas, lived in Windsor, watched the spits at the old barn, uh, lived in Cambridge John. for a little bit, watching the Rangers. And then, of course, my time at school with the Ice Dogs. It's just um, – every market you go to, you see different people and you meet different people. And they, they tell you, like you said, those stories about, Oh, I remember when I was a kid, my dad taking me, you know, (laughs) say at the old Jack with the St. Catherine's teepees uh, with those games, with the great teams that they had. Um, So it's just, it's unbelievable to hear all these stories and for you to keep tabs on everything going on and uh, doing your best to promote those stories, keep the league going, especially during the pandemic. Um, is awesome. And Josh, we really appreciate you doing this and can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here today. Well, guys, as I said before, you know, I do listen from time to time and I do try and hear, you know, what's going on in the OHL podcasting community because it's a growing community. Uh, And, you know, with that to say, you know, I appreciate guys like you who are passionate about our league. Um, and enjoy enjoy talking about it, enjoy covering it, enjoy watching it. And, you know, not just for the hockey, but also for the things that go on in the community and the things that are going on in these young players' lives, um, you know, particularly now more than ever with the challenge we had this past year. And, 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 and a, you know, something we're really looking forward to moving beyond as we plan for October 7th, that big date on the calendar to, yeah. to get back to playing. And, you know, more than anything for the players' sake, because, you know, we, we talked about how hard it was to see for, for those guys who have poured their, poured their lives into, into becoming the best hockey player that they can be. Right. So uh, really looking forward to, to, to the coming season and what's in store there, but yeah, Reese, I appreciate the words and uh, 
uh, yeah, Joel, Colin, thanks for thanks for having me on today. A lot of fun to talk, and uh, yeah, it'd be nice to on. do it again sometime. So thank you. That was Josh Sweetland, director of communications for the Ontario Hockey League, and. You know, I've always wanted to know exactly what goes on with the communications department, kind of what their role is. You know, I kind of assume social media, but obviously it's clearly more than that. And that was a nice insight to what it actually looks like uh, inside the communications office at the OHL. So, well, you deal with all the, yeah. And you deal with all the room, you deal with all the comments, social media comments. I mean, that's not going I mean, people tweet those all the time, but that's not going to the commissioner or going to the GM or going to the owner or whatever you think. It's going to the communications person. So yeah. now you know who answers your questions at the OHL. <laughs> yeah, and just to, just to hear, they hear, they have an incredible team, like he said, uh, along with him, Sarah and, and Jordan and just numerous other people to mention, but they do a really good job of trying to promote the Ontario Hockey League, especially during the COVID pandemic. It's no games, like you said, with no games, it does get a little challenging, but um, that's where you have those stories. Josh did the OHL Voices segment, uh, which, dang, totally forgot about that until now. I wanted to ask him about that, but I'm sure we'll have him on another time to discuss it and just to see those kind of things. And it's like, yeah, that's engaging because the radio guys are kind of, you know, you see the TV highlights and everything and uh, the top fives and game highlights and you got the TV guys, but a lot of the guys you get were from the radio and, you know, cause you don't really hear their voices unless you're tuning in on a regular basis. Right. So yeah, um, just trying to create content is it's hard enough as it is. And with no games, it gets even tougher. So mm-hmm. um, shout out to Josh for joining us. Uh, really appreciate that. But um, got one more segment to go. It's not going to be very long. I promise you. Fun long day today. Yeah. We're essentially going to go over winners uh, from the draft who we thought did uh, very well. Clearly it's easy to pick the top teams, but um, you know, we'll try and do our best to dive into it and let you know who we thought came out on top. So uh, we'll do that next here on the Owen 60 podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast. I'm Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward and Joel Vanderland. And it's been a long one, folks. Uh, Apologies if you're expecting 60 minutes, not as advertised, but it's the draft. So we got to go big for it. And, uh, we got a good response from last year's draft show. So we thought, you know what, might as well do it again, get one more guest on and uh, really make it a big event. So this is really what we strive for um, every year. It's going to be the same as long as this podcast is going. So um, I also want to give a shout out to everyone that listens to the show as well. Uh, We really appreciate it uh, with the interactions on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Um, we do it because we love it. We love the league. Like Josh said, he loves the league and, um, it's just, we, we like covering it. We, it's part of us now and it's never going to change. So, uh, just a huge thank you to everyone that listens and listens on a uh, constant basis. I just want to I just want to quickly shout out, uh, Brad Urbanowitz and, uh, Matt Rowe as well, constantly Mm -hmm. every week since basically our first week, uh, Brad, Brad has shared our show. Um, once we get a, once we get our, once we get anything in uh, for the show, uh, we'll be sending something Brad's way for sure and Matt's way, one hundred percent. I mean, 
I appreciate uh, what they do for us each week, week in and week out, sharing our show, constantly mm-hmm. listening, telling their friends. I mean, Matt Rowe, he's in Regina, Saskatchewan, and he's sharing it with his friends. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know how to – I mean, I'm kind of speechless. I kind of get, like, goosebumps when I hear that. I mean, like, it's pretty cool. Like, I mean, it, I think that's right on from, a, like, those guys to share that. I mean, to be able to be – to make an impact in someone's life, like, someone appreciate – what we're doing is really cool i think that's the cool part i mean we're like i mean like sometimes it's like midnight and we're talking like the three of us talking about like the ohl um i mean like today a uh, quick shout out to uh sarnia sting updates um tweet like we're just talking about max domestikoff like it's yeah. just cool to like talk like with our bunks like the people that listens to our show so if anyone that listens and wants to reach out do it like like honestly the three of us can talk ohl all day long, yep. all day long, anytime, um, most of every day. I don't think we've been a day since we started the show recently without talking about the OHL. No, you'll message, you'll message me out of the Just blue. Random. Yo, this guy's sick. Look at this video. <laughs> yeah. Like, like constantly, like we're looking <laughs> yeah. up highlights. I mean, like literally it's like one thirty. Okay. I'll tell uh, a quick story. Saturday night, Saturday night, it's one thirty in the morning and Joel and I are talking about the OHL. 30 in the morning like i mean that's just the way it's gonna be i mean yeah the three of us we just appreciate everyone that's listening i mean we just we enjoy doing it um i've enjoyed like the players that have been able to come on our show yeah um i think that's right on i mean not just the players i mean the writers ben leeson um radio mike stubbs uh callum nick it's like it's just such a big deal for us to have guys on i mean when we get that email saying that they're confirmed yeah I know from the, club, from the club's communication, like we're pumped. Like as we were setting up this lineup for this week's show, literally, like we we we, so we talked about this in. for like yeah. weeks in advance. We're like, all right, the draft is What's coming up. We got to start thinking about our lineup, like kind of getting an idea of like what exactly. we want. Like players are always nice to have, but there's other aspects to to the draft. You got the radio guys, you got the writers, you got the guys behind the scenes doing all the communication stuff, and. Yeah, we spent, yeah, probably two to three weeks kind of just drawing up ideas, you know, who we were thinking. I think Josh was a guy who, like, like we talked about during the break, Reed Duffy had mentioned that he'd be a good guy to have on just to chat about the communication side. And, you know, a draft and a draft lottery during a pandemic, it worked out perfectly. So he, he, he worked – it was perfect that we had him on the show to talk about it. Exactly. And, I mean, I'd like – and also uh, – if anyone sees us at games or something, just don't and they recognize us, don't be afraid to say something. Do not be yeah. afraid to say something because yeah, we'll like, have a conversation. Literally, sure. literally going to the press box takes like a half hour, thirty five minutes to go to the press box in a media room someplace because you yeah. just talk to people. Like we just talk to people that you knew from Niagara scouts. Like we just talk, and I mean it's fun. Um, we like doing this. Uh, so hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully we can. Uh, if you want to reach out, reach out. And, uh, hopefully, uh, well, we keep growing. Well, and yeah, and I wait to be back. Hockey will be back soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. And I and I think we took a big step, especially uh, when we launched that website. When Joel came on, started writing the articles. I think that took our brand to the yeah, next level. You know, as as much as people enjoy listening to podcasts, and not just us, uh, whether it's baseball aspect. or basketball podcasts or hockey po- or other hockey podcasts, it's just. You know, there's people out there who would rather read um, instead of listen. And I think, exactly. Joel, you've provided such a great uh, resource for people. Like, 
telling stories about officials and telling stories about coaches and, you know, not just players. So, yeah, yeah, it's development. Like, yeah, Joel, we appreciate everything you do as well. I mean, yeah, you're right in with us. I mean, you're a third guy. I mean, you're right there with us. Um, It's a line. It takes a line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, But yeah. It's been fun. Yeah, I just want to give a big thank, uh, thank you to Tyler Longo too, uh, QRD president, U16 coach, for uh, hopping on and uh, allowing us to write that article, and mm-hmm. uh, that really helped with the draft coverage. I thought this past year, the cool thing was when Brennan Offman, when that was able to come around about U18s and Donovan McCoy about the Andrew Shaw situation. Yeah, I mean that was pretty cool to see that come yeah. back around. I think that's pretty neat to see as well. And it's just the amount yeah. of players too that we've had on and voices we've had on. I mean, to grow the league, it's pretty cool. It's pretty special, you know, to feel like you have a voice with quality people on yeah. your show. That's a big thing. And Joel, when you joined this, I mean, it was a no brainer. It was a no brainer to have someone that has credibility, which is huge for us. Aries, like, 100%. Yeah, incredible. We're big us. on that. Exactly. I mean, not a fake. I mean, you got a name. Um, so that's always uh, great. Yeah. But on to the last part um, of the draft. Actually, I do want to say something before we get to that. For anyone that listened to a couple of episodes ago where I was questioning why the hell there's only 680 games in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, two teams. I, I, I sounded really stupid because I remembered, well, Josh reminded me, that you need two teams to play a hockey game. So uh, <laughs> it, it is 680 games in the season. So um, we, we talked about that before we recorded the, uh, the interview. So uh, shout out to Josh for making me look stupid, which I'm okay with because I look stupid. So it's hey, all right. If, jo- <laughs> if Josh sees us at a game, he needs a, he needs a t-shirt that says, uh, I'm a stupid. I know. Pointing at us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with a blonde. Oh, that's funny. Um, but that yeah. Like, the reason he came on the podcast. I, just to correct us, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was funny. But uh, yeah, on to uh, – on to wrap up the show, um, we'll start with you, Joel. You're not on a regular, so you're still considered a guest to us, um, even though you're the best writer um, we've ever met. So um, for you, who's uh, who's standing out right now as favorites for winners uh, from the draft? Uh, the rich stay richer. I think the Ottawa 67th had an outstanding draft. I uh, get in show guests, Luca. Luca Pinelli in the second round, and then mm-hmm. looking down in the fourth, they get Jack Beaver, QRD captain, 50-goal score. Uh, it's pretty hard to argue with those uh, those uh, steals. Yeah. yeah. Um, Colin? Mine's, I'll go last. Mine's tough. Time. You sure? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mind. I'm Appreciate good. that. Appreciate that. Got um, you. My, mine's tough. I mean, I was stuck. I Honorable mention, I guess, for me, maybe you might take them. North Bay had a really good draft. I think they addressed all their needs. I mean, you look at their roster, they have a good goalie, they have a good defenseman, and they have now a number one center in Outwater. But the team to me was the Sudbury Wolves. The Sudbury Wolves, I feel, is a lot. They're that team that's a, a tad ben, beneath Ottawa, where Ottawa's on that top of the pole, 
the pedestal and you just got knocked them off. And I think Sudbury's right there. And I think Sudbury having that draft getting, I mean, it's not just the first overall pick because that's the easy thing. Oh, Quentin Musty, right? But getting, yeah. Matthew, getting Matthew Mania, a teammate of his, the right defenseman is huge. It's massive for them to get that defenseman. It's good for them in the, in the fourth round, 60th overall. I mean, that's the 60th overall pick in uh, Mania. That's a great pick. And also uh, a cool one was a uh, Nicholas Larkin as well in uh, 90th overall. I mean, Larkin, that just rings bells to me. I think I know somebody with the last name Larkin, so that's cool. And also, uh, as the GMs are calling, um, uh, 160th overall, Noah Cochran to Sudbury from the Barry Junior Coles. I think that's the pick. I honestly think that's the steal of the draft. That's similar to Isaiah George last year going to London. I think Noah Cochran's at Isaiah George this year to where he can come on right away at 16, be a ninth-round pick, and make the team at 16 as a ninth-round pick. And so I think that's really special, and I'm very excited to see uh, what happens there in Sudbury's camp. And plus, guys like uh, Chase Stillman, who you know take a step up at the U18s, yeah. they run real. I mean, Landon McCallum is good in the year showcase, which is big because he needs a big year. Um, those guys are getting better. And I just think the grass is going to get greener for the Sudbury Wolves, and I think they'll be fine in the Nickel City. So. I hope they're getting jacked up there because they deserve it. And they, uh, I hope they're excited for the O to return like we are because they're going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. For me, for me, it's, it's the Windsor Spitfires. And this is just based on a bias of myself being the biggest Thomas Holmstrom fan in the world. Um, you lose a guy like Curtis Douglas. They replaced him with four other guys. Their first yep. four picks, not one of them was under six feet tall. Um, you, you talk about, it was funny. Steve Clark pointed this out on Twitter. The Windsor Spitfires now have two guys on their team. Uh, one of them by the name of Ethan, uh, Medima, and of course, Xavier Medina in net. So that's a play by play by play, uh, guys nightmare right there. So, um, yeah, yeah with like fairy Terry essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at, uh, Medima. In that first round, 6'3", 180, that's, that's Curtis Douglas's replacement right there. Um, easily big body, going to put him in front of the net. There's no way that you don't put him in front of the net. And then you look at their second pick, 20th overall, essentially the first pick. Uh, in the second round, they took uh, Bronson Ride, 6'5", defenseman, 200 pounds. He's just going to blast the puck uh, from the point. So I think the Windsor Spitfires have set themselves up very nicely um with size and i think that that's the key to winning in my opinion you look you look at fast guys and fast guys tend to be a little bit smaller but the spits continue to be big and i love it so i think big hockey wins championships i really yeah. do i think those guys are hard to wear down in the playoffs and i think with the build a team you build the win right yeah so the big and, and with and with windsor too they the, they're a team of winning they've got three memorial cups in the span of what nine ten years uh yeah, so so they're they're used to, yeah they're used to guys the wfcu center that's it that building's just seen winning since it's opened yeah, so yeah. um yeah the windsor spitfires i think they'll be they'll be destined to be competing for a championship very very soon um, i like how they build their roster in windsor i really do yeah i like how they build that roster it's constructed well it's big it's size they're tough, they're grit. They're not, you're not going to go in their arena and they're going to come into your arena and push you around. Yeah. I like that. I mean, they're not feared. They got guts. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So to For put a bow on it, uh, Joel, Colin, 
um, for the second annual Owen yeah. 60 OHL priority selection special. It was fun. We'll be back um, in a couple of weeks now. Yeah. This, this takes commitment here. So both of you, uh, for myself, thanks for doing this. This is awesome. Um, and yeah, I guess, uh, I guess the podcast is back in three weeks. Uh, yeah, we're going to take a little weeks. bit of a longer long break. Moment, yeah, I've got, uh, got a little family matter to, uh, to attend to in a couple of weekends. So, um, uh, we will convene back a long in one 21 too. days. Play the wings horn. <laughs>